Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Big Week in Gaming podcast. And boy, it's been a big week in gaming. I'm Mr. Gott for episode 29 on Sunday the 31st of January 2021. As always, I'm joined by the official Xbox Hall of Famer, the number one challenger for the greatest Xbox RPG player in the world, Swinny. Sorry, that's uh, Cyber Swinny to you. Cyber Swinny. And, and the meme maker, the interrupter-in-chief, the PS5 background displayer, the uh, triggerer of commenters in our YouTube clips, Mike. Merry Christmas. <laughs> see, again, another visual gag that you can't see. I have a Christmas cup. Oh, okay. Everyone listening on the podcast, that's, that was the gag. I didn't even know that. Um, and in this week's show, we'll be discussing a Reddit's, Reddit taking on Wall Street and the GameStop stock debacle, our review of the Mecha Ninja action game Cyber Shadow, and Swinny does the worldwide definitive tier list for Assassin's Creed, as I think maybe the biggest fan of Assassin's Creed in the entire world. Uh, before we start... We just want to give a response. So we actually had uh, Infinity Plus, the makers of Puzzle Quest 3 and other Puzzle Quest games. So they're an Aussie studio. They reached out to us and they just wanted to say that they are still very much an Aussie development studio and are still headed by longtime industry legend Stephen Faulkner. Having the backing of 505 will let us grow further and develop new titles. There you go. So that was it. That was in response to our story about 505 Games, uh, European publisher uh, acquiring them. Yeah, yeah, and five hundred five are going to be uh, referenced in this episode as well, a little bit yeah. later in the bargain bin, and we have and, uh, uh, two other corrections, Winnie. Yeah, so uh, both come from our Resident Evil uh, segment, so that's that's great. Clearly, clearly, we need to brush up on a few things there. But um, first of all, uh, we stated that Resident Evil Four was set in some unnamed Eastern European country, and it was actually set in Spain, kind so, of the opposite side of Europe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I also made um, uh, a mistake. So I, when we were talking about Resident Evil Villages, well, the new multiplayer mode, was it Resident Evil Reverse or something like that? Um, I was going off on a my soapbox about the fact that these multiplayer games aren't standalone things. I shouldn't name them standalone things based on what GTA Online did and Red Dead Online did. And I, I referenced Resident Evil 3's Resistance multiplayer mode. Well, it turns out that was t- that was treated as a standalone title. <laughs> and I guess for me, my current modern day way of deciphering that is, is do the platforms treat it as a separate skew? Does it have a separate achievement list, you know, when or when a listing on the stores and stuff? So Resident Evil Resistance did. So I was incorrect about that one. Yeah, and I believe Reverse is going to be treated the same way. Yeah. Mm. It's very ignorant of us, I have to admit. Uh, it's, you know, we need to be on top of everything in the gaming <laughs> industry. <laughs> I have a podcast here. We got, at which, which, you know, I think ties in, ties in. <clears throat> I'm wearing a tie, by the way, Swinny. You can't see this at the moment. Or the audio listeners. Or the audio listeners. It ties in to, to the fact that I am wearing a shirt and tie today. <laughs> And the reason I'm wearing a, sh- a shirt and tie today is because we've been getting a lot more listeners and viewers. And I think it's about time I started taking this stuff a little more seriously. Can't just muck around all day anymore. Okay. We got proper serious li- listeners. And in fact, one of the, the, the listeners that we had um, who goes by the name of Fer- Feral Inferno uh, left us a bit of feedback, which I would like to read. So <laughs> Feral oh, Inferno I can see this said, going badly. 
he ha- he said he or she i don't know it, it's a picture or of they. gambit or they or they uh has said that the guy in the middle that would be me is really ignorant which is true arrogant and smug <laughs> by the way there's an oxford comma there so very well done feral inferno using Os- oxford commas uh good luck gaining subscribers when you tell potential new viewers that their hobby isn't really a hobby and it's an addiction you know what i am glad you put me in my paper in my place it was an absolute wake-up call in fact what i'm going to do is i'm going to take the comment which i have framed <laughs> again <laughs> you guys you guys listening will not be able to see this, but, but I frame this and I'll be back. I'm going to take it and put it on my wall of shame. So there will probably be a lot more of these comments coming up. Just, just oh give me one second, boys. So you can't well, see it to anybody. He, he's legit. And, and he's, he's got, I don't know if he remembers, but he's got boxer shorts on as well. <laughs> I'm glad he's got those on. At least. Um, I... <laughs> he's just falling off his desk. I was getting. I was getting disingenuous vibes from that, but it seems like it's a genuine thing. I don't, know. Actually... I don't know if it's a genuine thing. You know you had boxes on, right? What? Oh, yeah, okay, okay. We're going to get banned off of YouTube oh, yeah. at this rate. Okay. <laughs> You're not seeing so wait, he's way. wearing a shirt and tie in boxes. Yeah. What is he presenting in national news? Uh, Pretty much. And he fell, off, he fell off his table as well when he was putting it up. Trying to take this seriously, okay? Jeez. Very good routine. Now, now, on a serious note, though, on a serious note, I do like to say that the reality about doing these things is you only really see a tiny fraction of us. In fact, you might not even see the full video, right? You probably only see the little snippet that is completely out of context. And one thing you certainly won't know is the history that people like me or yourselves have with gaming, right? I've been gaming for like 30 plus years probably since the very early 90s yes we did have ataris and stuff even in communist europe and one thing that i'll have to admit is that absolutely i am ignorant i don't know everything about the gaming industry i don't even think i know a fraction about the gaming industry because there's so much stuff to keep up with right but there are times when i played you know games for 14 16 maybe even 20 hours a day i had marathons like that where i would just play non-stop And I'm not trying to shit on people's hobbies. I'm just trying to give people a perspective of the way I see things based on the experience I've had in the gaming industry. And for a lot of people, this gaming thing is well under control. Like Swinney would never admit that he's got an issue trying to, you know, be the number one (laughs) RPG player. I've got issues. Uh, I like he's swinging at everyone here. (laughs) No, I'm I'm, I'm not swinging at people. All I'm saying is that some people have it under control. I was not one of those people. I had problems with that stuff. And I think the one thing that I bring to this podcast is that kind of a perspective that other people out there surely share. Not a lot, maybe, but a lot of other people probably share that. So that's the kind of context I wanted to put into this. It takes a lot of balls to be to come on a podcast and also co-host a podcast and say that, you know, that you don't like playing a lot of games all the time because... That's true. A compulsive, you know, nature there. I think that does take balls to say. To be fair, I do have fairly big kahunas. In case you guys didn't (laughs) see it while I was getting up trying to frame that thing on my wall. Do not, do not attempt to repeat that. uh, I'm not doing it again. It's fine. Yeah, and I think in general with gaming, if you are shitting on a game or you're not super enthusiastic, in general, the audience does not like that. It's it's (laughs) almost like nothing to, to win by doing that. 
Oh, so absolutely you, nothing. I admit to that. I yeah. probably shouldn't have been saying it. No, but I think it's brave that you like at least just go, well, this is my opinion, you know. Because that's what if you want. You guys to don't like it? Subscribe, <coughs> yeah. I guess. Also, yeah. I was I guess for a lot of people like I it's I think it's okay for someone to crap on something if they've got a lot of knowledge and experience in that topic. You know, yeah. like I'm I'm we're doing Assassin's Creed tier list later. I'm going to be crapping on one or two of the games in that, you know, but I've that's coming from me having 100% completed them and knowing everything else in the series. Mm. So I think that's very different than talking to a topic that you, and I include myself in this, that are quite ignorant of, uh, especially historically. You know, Yeah, I mean? absolutely. So... You're not going to see me talking about, I don't know, the American Revolution or something. I have no idea about that stuff, but... I've played enough games in my lifetime. Again, days where probably the entire 24 hours I played games where there's, there's a bit of knowledge behind that, I think. Um, and gaming, let's not forget, gaming is one of my hobbies. It's probably my biggest hobby as well. So I am shitting over my own hobbies. I, I realize that. Anyway, right so Speaking over. of gaming, what let's games go back did you to play gaming? this week? Myself. So yeah. I played uh, I played Children of Mordas. So... This is this this is the irony that happened. I think probably I don't know if it was hours before I messaged you. Uh, I think you messaged me saying, "Hey, um, Dead Cells is available." Yeah, and I'm like, "Yeah, I already have it, but I don't really want to get into the whole roguelike thing again because I just want to try different things out, and that's too mm-hmm. repetitive." Probably less than an hour later, I think I'm like, "Hey, I got this game called Children of Morda. This this game looks really sick. I'll better put that in." Started playing it. It's a roguelike. I'm like, oh, I don't want this now. But I ended up I'd, playing that a fair bit. I'd say it's a roguelite. It's it's, it's a roguelite. It's yeah. got a lot of it's got a lot of progression that carries over. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. And look, it's so far I'm actually really digging the game. So I started playing it on the Switch, and then Swinny, you said you were going to start playing it on Xbox. So I'd already I started like a. I'd already started a couple of days before. Oh, you have. Okay, yeah. well, I think but I'd only we I'd only played it. like through the the tutorial, so I hadn't okay. really played further than that. All right, well, we should we should do a co-op session. Sounds good. So yeah, I'll be playing a bit of that. Um, that was that was problematic, and of course, Cyber Shadow, which we'll be talking about in a sec, but not a ton of it. And apart from that, just random things here and there. I've I've I started an online course, so I don't get as much time as I want with a mm. full time job and all that other jazz. So I haven't had. As much time to dedicate to gaming this week, but I did put quite a bit of time into Children of Mord. I think oh, you're keeping up for your resolution. Uh, well, I am. Yeah, trying to anyway. I doubt it's going to really work. <laughs> I'll be deep <laughs> in it in the next few months, no doubt. So, what about you guys? What have you been playing? How about you, Swinny? So this, uh, I mean, most of the stuff I played this week, we'll be talking about in the show. So I completed Valhalla 100. percent so we give you my final thoughts before we get into the tier list for Assassin's Creed. Uh, Cyber Shadow, which uh, played for a couple of hours. We'll be talking about that later as well. Um, and the other games I've been playing, uh, a bit more focused this week than last week where I went insane. Um, so I've been playing through a Kim Carpenter called Dragon Lapis, which is honestly... This is I've struggled the most with this one than I have with any other Kemco game. Like I absolutely hate this game with passion. It's just got the worst job progression system. Like they tried to do some really neat things with job growth plates and all this crap, and it's just a mess. And I can't wait till it's finished so I can get it off my uh, off my list. It's very meta, um, isn't it? Having to 
to doesn't it feel like you're doing a second job playing a game where you have to have jobs like that well it's a meta game that's my resolution isn't it so um and the other game i went back to which i've been planning on for a while was the outer worlds Mm. so the outer worlds i completed on pc and xbox uh, i think early last year i think it was um and I hadn't gone back to it since they released the first DLC, uh, Perils of Gorgon. And I finally played through that on both platforms again to recomplete the games and get them back on my list. Um, so that gives me, alongside Valhalla, another three RPG completions this week. So I'm really happy with that. Although some of those were like easy wins, the Outer Worlds. That DLC, I'm not going to say I enjoyed the DLC that much. Outer Worlds in general is just... I, I really love the Outer Worlds, but that DLC doesn't do anything that made me go, mm, that was kind of worth 15 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever it costs. Uh, I've got the season pass, so I can't remember how much I got that for. Um, so I'm hoping the second DLC, which I believe is the last one, which I'm not sure when it's releasing, but it will be sometime this year. Um, I'm hoping that picks it up and puts you in some more interesting situations. I will say with Perils of Gorgon that they do, it's about... If you do everything and go through all the dialogue options, um, it's probably about 10 to 12 hours. So it's a good little slice of content. But um, And they give you... that. There's about four different endings. So for a DLC, that's actually pretty cool. Um, but speed running it through on the second platform when I didn't need to... When I'd kind of, you know, already done all the story and everything only took me about four hours. So that was pretty cool. So, yeah. Ah, yeah, because you're playing them again on... PC, it, right? Yeah, because it has a separate achievement list. So it's like, okay, I go through that and then I can just speed run it through there. Um, and just one last thing I wanted to do. So this is actually another correction. This is a personal correction, though. Uh, last week I did, uh, I went through about uh, 10 of the games. Oh, no, actually, uh, was, was it 10 or 15 or whatever? I went through a whole bunch of haikus to, to explain mm. all the games that I played and. When I listened back to the show, as I normally do, I realized that I actually made a mistake. One of the haikus was incorrect. It had six syllables instead of five syllables in the third line. Take it down. I am correct. Remove the podcast. I am correcting it. So it was for Akami. So this is the new haiku for Akami. (laughs) God, I miss this game. Amaterasu is cool. IGN logo. I said IGN cover art, which is six syllables. So uh, IGN logo fuck. is five syllables. Uh, Corrected. Thank you. I can <laughs> nice, now I can nice. now rest easy. <laughs> it was like it was eating me up inside all week. <laughs> That's awesome. So how about you, Intergot? Uh, like you know, Astro's Playroom. That's such an underrated game. That is, I know that people. It is a bit of a uh, look. I, I just hate, hate when people call it a tech demo. It's just a very short game, essentially. But if I had to rate that game, I'd probably still give it a 9 out of 10. I don't know. I've just gone back to it a few times. It's just oh, such a wow. good game. It is really cool, though. Even my, yeah, my partner got into it a lot. So mm. Yeah, yeah. My wife played it a bit. It's, it's really just... Fun. And my son can play a little bit of it. I actually asked him, I go, do you like Nintendo or PlayStation? And he said, PlayStation. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> um, Are you sure he was... Uh, he was is, your, is yours? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, played Cyber Shadow like you guys. Uh, Dead Cells, so played a lot of that. So there's a trial at the moment on Switch for Switch Online users. Uh, the Medium, so played like a couple of hours of The Medium. Probably just because we won't cover that. Just The Medium, it, it seems like a really good game, but it just wasn't exceptional. 
And the call out for me is, I, I don't know if you're going to play it, Swinny, just given that it's on Game Pass. No, I'm not, because it's a horror game and it's just not well, my jam. Okay, so like on the horror game thing, if well, I... It's not an RPG, so it's not your jam. <laughs> no, it's just, you know, like I'm not going to play every game just because it's a new game, you well, know? If, if I put a spectrum up on horror games and thrillers, so starting from like Alan Wake is like the left side and then... You know, Resident Evil, Silent Hill at the right side is a horror game. It's actually way closer to like an Alan Wake in terms of, it's to me more of like a thriller. and Psychological horror? Yeah, thriller, it's not. Post to gore and. I honestly wouldn't even call it horror. Like, you know, I get really scared with horror games and I just quit them. And I've started playing this game. I'm like, uh, it's not that scary. And then just reading other people's thoughts on the game. The start of the game is supposedly the scariest part. So if that's the case, then I don't even think... I wouldn't even call it a horror game from my perspective. Well, it's... Just honestly, it also just doesn't appeal to me. Like, yeah. it's it looks cool for people that I think are into that stuff. Um, but also, like, especially when you've got some really ambitious gaming goals for the year, that, like I do, yeah. it's... You've got you've to make decisions. Do, do you want to tell our listeners how many hours you estimate it will take you to reach those goals? <laughs> So I did some calculations based on, um, so on true achievements, there's people, when you complete a game, you're kindly, um, they kindly ask you, request you to leave the time that you took, took you to complete it. So all achievements. Hmm. So I looked at all the completion estimates for all the games I have currently my shortlist. Not all of them, some of that may change. Then I added in the how long to beat for some of the Final Fantasy games that I haven't played yet. Um, And at ended up being about over 1100 hours to complete everything that I'm planning to complete. So there's some... <laughs> it's about there's four few... hours a day, right? Well, no, no, no. Think about it like this, Mike. So a full-time job is 2,000 working hours a year. Okay, so it's more than So he's, he's literally working like a half, like two and a half days a week on this. When you actually add it up and break it down... <laughs> There's times on a weekend where I'm, where I might play six, seven hours, eight hours of gaming, right? So when you kind of rebalance stuff with weekends and things like that, it's look, it's probably what I normally do anyway. But it's still when you calculate and you break it down, it is it does make you go, huh? Okay, that's <laughs> this. This is pretty ambitious. But compared to I mean, compared to the stuff that other people do, like just think of people that stream games and people. Yeah, oh, that, yeah. Like, oh, that's insane. But but do you. Do you find it does it does it affect you at all? Or do you find it daunting at all, or is it just eh? It's just, eh? I'll really? walk through the okay. Yeah, like it because it's just part. Like it's 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 fun for me. You know, this is my hobby. Mm. You know, I'm yeah. not gonna I'm not gonna let it get in the way of anything else in life. That's a wide discussion. For you mean like catching up with your time. friends? Yeah. Well, we are in also in the middle of a pandemic, so oh, I don't yeah, know yeah, what I'm you're talking about there. I know pandemic. Jeez. Oh, if you get if you get to do it, anytime, how convenient for you that pandemic. Uh, yeah. I, I just created it just so I can focus on <laughs> achievements, Mike. Um, but yeah, so it's yeah, the, it's look, it's a lot of it's a lot of time, but uh, also some of that is you know that's just based on estimates, and I'm so it could be longer. It could be longer, could be shorter. It really depends. So yeah, so just getting <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say getting back to the medium. Um, and <laughs> yeah. the other, the other thing about it is, you know, it's got that gimmick where you go into like the regular world and then almost like the spirit, you know, afterworld and it has split screen. Silent Hill. Not really. Like the whole screen either gets split or oh, you can go from screen. one to the other. 
that's a cool mechanic. And it's so like what I would wow. say about it is that it's such a cool idea, and it actually reminds me of something that like Nintendo would do, where they have like a really cool gimmick. I mean, like even Luigi's Mansion had a similar gimmick with Gooigi, right? But they don't execute it well at all. Like you play it and you're kind of a bit like, what's the point of this mechanic? Like it, it's very. Wait and see. It's, play a bit more. No, no, no. It's, uh, I played a bunch of it and then just hearing people talk about it, they're pretty much like, that's all you get to see of it. It's not yeah, like it really yeah. advances any further. And, you know, my view as well is like, it's kind of a bit pointless, the, the gimmick. Like it doesn't really, like you could build the game easily without it. And that's kind of like the key thing of a gimmick, right? Like if you could do it anyway without the gimmick, then what's the point of the gimmick? Yeah, but I mean, so Silent Hill had had the sections where you went into the, I forget what it's called, the other world where everything goes crazy and rusted and stuff. But that was a core part of the story and a core part of the game. Isn't this a core part of the game to go into that parallel universe? It is, no. but what, like I'm saying the split screen component of it, which is like a specific part of it, okay. feels very kind of like, meh, like tacked on, don't really need to do it. Do you, well, do you, do you play as both characters? How does, how does, how does that it's work? It's simultaneous. Like when you're moving, like you're moving both ah, in the normal world and in the okay, spirit interesting. world. Interesting. Okay. okay. So it's like such a cool idea. It's just kind of a bit pointless the way they've executed it. It's a bit like, oh, okay, you know, like don't really feel like you need it for anything. Which is sad because, it, like I said, it's a really cool idea. I just feel like it hasn't been necessarily like, you know, lent, lent into properly um, uh-huh. as other studios would. Uh, outside of that, I've been playing a lot of Mario 64 on the Switch uh-huh. uh, as part of the 3D collection and heaps of Dark Souls. Yes. So I've been really sick in the last few days. So I haven't even actually been able to play anything, but I've been like super addicted to Dark Souls. Nice. So, like that it, game, we, we get constant updates, which is really good. Yeah, like so that game, like I, you know, kind of thought I'd always like it, but it it kind of taps into the exact thing I love about some games, which is like Trials and Rocket League, which is it's very mechanically sound, and you know, it, it's always your fault if something happens, like you know, you lose or you you lose an exchange with an enemy. It's it's you know, it's kind of mm. like on you. So, yeah, it's such a cool game. I'm really looking forward to getting through it. I did actually start playing it again, thanks to you. I f- totally forgot. I put a bunch of hours into it this week as well. Yeah, I, I really... Th- yeah, go on, sorry, Sweeney. Oh, uh, so I thought about um, starting again, and then I realized that, look, <laughs> yeah, I've, already got, I've already got so many other games I, I know. <laughs> and you've, you've clocked it, like, what, at least 10 times now, surely. Well, I think so, yeah, because it generally you need to do at least two two and a half playthroughs from an achievement standpoint, and I've mm. done that three times. And then I've done That's a couple nice. of other runs, so, yeah. Well, you just beat the game recently again when I said I'm, I've started playing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how far I'm into it. I'm kind of up to the catacombs and the depths. So Ooh, I'd say you're maybe coming close to like a quarter way through. Yeah, that's what I thought. Well, but it depends how you go through it, because I am only now up to doing... The skeletons in the catacombs, and I'm. No, well, I've done cata- a lot of other bits. No, but he's saying catacombs. He said death. Yeah, the depths. Oh, okay. de- I'm de- depths is not. The yeah, cat- the depths are done. Yeah, yeah, the depths is not the catacombs. No, no, it's not. Yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. He, he was also doing the catacombs. No, I went into the catacombs and I'm like, no, I gotta oh, okay. go to the depths. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See, mm, see, um, for, for someone, 
for someone that's experienced with Dark Souls and knows what to do and what to expect, I actually do the catacombs early because it, reasons I'm yeah. not going to spoil, yeah. but I would never tell a new player to do it. Yeah. It's just you can get trapped in there and it will just make your life hell. Like, it's, yeah. It's oh my God. Yeah. Place. And yeah. those skeletons. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm, <sighs> I'm really looking forward to when, you know, as part of the game of some other year, 2011, when we'll cover each of the nominees. It feels like this game surely is going to be one of the nominees for game of some other year for 2011. Um, not giving anything away, obviously. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's such a great game. Like, I'm fully into it now. I fully get it. I'm not very good you, at it. You have oh, not seen right. the coolest parts of that game by any means. Trust I feel like Swinney keeps saying me. that. I haven't seen the coolest oh, parts no, of the game. Oh, no, because I'll, there's... If you finish the no, game, you still haven't seen the coolest parts of the game. <laughs> no, no, there's... I don't... I can't spoil it, but the thing is that I there's definitely parts in that game where everyone hits and... It's like, wow, you know, so okay. I'm looking forward to you getting there because it does, I think it really, it, it, it'll it be interesting to see your take on that. I've been, I've been... Uh, I, I was talking about the, yeah, don't part. ruin it, don't ruin it. No, no, I didn't. Mike, like the, Mike. Is that the part we're talking about? Mike, le- let's leave it there. Let's talk off, okay. offline. Let's talk offline. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a good game. I love it. Um <laughs> It's just hard to find time to play it, to be honest, with all the sort of things I have in my life. But well, also not being yeah, able to family, pa- full time job, children, not being able to pause a game with with kids as well would be tough. Oh, it's caused arguments already. Wow! I'm like, dude, I can't like pause this game. It's not the way this game works. You need to take care of our baby. Yeah, pretty much. I can't pause it. Sorry, <laughs> the baby's dying. No, it's nothing like that. All right, That's why did... we made the first one, so he can take care of the second one. <laughs> did you want to get into the first story? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so GameStop. So, you know, number one, it's kind of weird because this isn't really a gaming story, but we're going to cover it because it pretty much has dominated all of the gaming news. And just to give a disclaimer up front, uh, we're not financial, legal, or taxation advisors. Our discussion does not constitute financial, legal, or taxation advice. We've not taken into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Before making any financial investment decisions regarding what is discussed, you should seek independent financial, legal, and taxation advice. Part of like what we say, it's quite strict in Australia around um, financial advice and anything that could be constituted as such. Um, so like, I thought maybe like the first part of this story, like maybe we could just explain like what is actually going on. Because I remember Mike was really keen to talk about the story. And I kind of really didn't look into it. And I just thought, ah, oh, it's just people really trying to bump up a stock, whatever. Who cares about this? But there's actually a really interesting dynamic that's happening here. So <clears throat> um, maybe I'll start with a few of the fundamentals. So do you guys, like, you'd understand the stock market and, like, buying stocks. That's pretty, like, basic. But you can actually... Yeah, it's so basic. <laughs> Yeah, I do it. I do it in my sleep. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, like the concept is probably clear to everyone. Uh, you know, I guess that's like we'll, we'll have that as a starting point. So the stocks and they go up and down depending on the financial health of the company. So mostly, like how much money does it make, and it'll, you know, the stocks will go up in price. But you can also, as an institutional investor, so you can't generally do this as a retail investor like you and I, but as an institution, you can generally actually do what they call shorting a stock. So shorting a stock essentially means you're taking exposure 
on the downside of the stock. So the way you do it mechanically is, and it's kind of weird the way it happens, is just say you, Mike, have GameStop stock, right? I actually I I borrow the stock from you. So I take possession of the stock, but I'm borrowing it. So I'm going to give it back to you. And just say, I say, I'm going to borrow it for, you know, a week and I'm going to pay you a certain amount of money because I've, you've let me borrow it. So I take that stock and I think that the stock's going down. So I immediately sell it on the market. So just say it's trading at $10. So I sell it and then it goes down to $5 in a week. I buy it off the exchange for $5 and I give you the, your stock back because I borrowed it. And then I've made $5 because it started at 10 and then I bought it back at five, yeah. right? That's actually the best explanation I have ever heard on this. <laughs> how could you not? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm to figure out how it all works. There's a lot of jargon, right? So yeah. it gets more complicated than that because what ends up happening is there. it's not as simple as I'm borrowing off you and just selling it and doing all those things. You actually hold collateral and you also have a virtual exposure so it's like, as the stock starts to go down, it's, it's already like, I'm going, well, I'm already making money. So I can kind of consolidate some of my position. Now with stocks, when I buy stocks, the most I'm going to lose is the $10. If I buy GameStop at $10, the most I could lose is $10. And the stock could go up to theoretically millions of dollars, right? So the upside is like astronomical and the downside is fixed. Now the issue with short selling and partly why they don't allow it for retail investors, oh, <laughs> good, good call, sweetie. Um, I'll start it now. It, it's okay. I've got to back up. Um, <laughs> so the reason why they don't allow this for uh, retail investors is because when you short a stock, essentially what happens is you are taking infinite downside risk. So... You know how I was saying, if I buy a stock at $10 and it could, I could lose all the $10, that's all I could lose. It's fixed. If I'm shorting the stock, think about it. If, if I'm shorting it and it's $10, so I borrow it from you, Mike, uh-huh. and then I sell it on the exchange for $10. But then what happens if the stock goes up to $15, $20, $30, $40? So every day that goes past, it's going up another $10, another $10. What that means is I'm losing $10 each time, Right. So if okay. it goes up to say $100, what happens is I've borrowed the stock off you. I've sold it on the exchange for 10. So when I'm selling it, I got the $10. But then a week later, the stock's now trading at $100. So I have to go and buy it on the exchange for $100. To give it back to me. To give it back to you. So my so net position a is... phenomenal amount of money. I've lost $90, right? So it's a huge amount of money. So that's like shorting in like a nutshell. And what's happened here is, you know, there are, there are places that actually publish uh, institutional investors and mostly the hedge funds, their positions that they have. So they've been very anti GameStop. And I think like we're all on the same page. Like we probably don't think GameStop's going to exist in 10 years. And then even like EB games, I'm not sure if it's going to exist in 10 years time. Right. And we'll get to EB games shortly, but these short sellers have basically said, we're, we're almost going to try to drive them into bankruptcy. So they not only had shorts on the company, they had 140% of the worth of the company shorted. So they shorted, notionally, more than the company's even worth. That's, that's right? wild. It is just wild. <laughs> and what's happened is, and I've read through a whole bunch of stuff, and there's, there's a really cool uh, Reddit user called Deep Effing Value, 
Uh, and this is all on Wall Street Bets and the subreddit. So, can I just say, just uh, there's been a lot of articles. Uh, there's a lot of articles out there about yeah. this, and they're often having to reference specific Reddit users. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it is amazing. <laughs> it's like the next level. You know how esports became a thing, and suddenly you got all these usernames being like used in articles, and you're like, this is getting ridiculous. This <laughs> Dragon ne- Butt Slayer sixty nine. <laughs> this, this is the next level because people create these user these Reddit usernames not thinking they're ever going to be quoted in an article. Yeah, I no, love for it. For sure, for sure. So, like, he was probably the first person to really put his money where his mouth was. And it's actually very logical what they're doing. It's actually really, really smart because what happens is, you know, the actual stock, the trading value of it really should be like $20 US, right? And it was trading at like $5, so it's probably undervalued. That, that's just based on, like, fundamental analysis of the stock. Whereas these guys, what they have analyzed, and I think they're correct, is that if they push the stock beyond reasonable limits, these hedge funds that have put billions into this will actually go to a position where, you know how I was saying before, Mike, if I take the $10 huh. and it goes up to 100 so then I then owe the market $90. So I've lost $90. What happens if I've only got $100 in my bank account? Right, so at some point I'm going to go bankrupt because of this. Yes. You need and, a bailout. Yeah, so they, well, you know, I, yeah, that's another whole topic, and I don't want that's, to. Get that's into. that's where governments when it comes in. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, they're trying to push the pressure on these companies, these hedge funds, so much that they burst. And what happens is because these positions are just open positions, generally, what they want to do is they want to break them so that they run out of money. And once they run out of money, what they need to do then is liquidate their position. So think about what's going to happen to the stock. If it's trading at two, $300 as it is now, what they'll need to do is start buying the stock. It's already so overpriced. They're going to start buying the stock, these hedge funds. And they have more than 100% of the value of the company. So what's going to happen is when a whole bunch of people want to buy something, the price goes through the roof. So like... The analysis that they've got and the way they're looking at it, it's actually very valid. Like, I'm actually, and I'm very shocked at some of their coverage that I'm seeing in financial news. And I think, you know, the, probably the last point I just want to make is, you know, the whole system is rigged against people. Oh. <laughs> and I've worked in the financial system, right? But it, it's very much, you know, hedge funds, I've worked at places like that. Like, they, you can do whatever you want, essentially. But... If you're a retail investor, they try to figure out ways to stop you because they don't want you to be winning. Because essentially, these hedge funds, they have very powerful people who have invested in them. Like very, very powerful people. And they're losing my, a lot of money right now. My uh, what, my favorite comment that's been floating around and different... Uh, like reading the IGN comments on this topic is really funny um, because I'm super ignorant of this whole thing. And that's kind of the level that IGN comments are as well. Um, but the, my favorite one was, uh, don't hedge fund managers have bootstraps? <laughs> the yeah, whole yeah. pick them up by the bootstraps. I love it. That's because I, I'm kind of on a, I don't really have a position on this in general, um, but I, I'm always a fan of the little person yeah. being able to have some power. You know, to rebalance things, um, and if that if that is the case here, then then I'm all for it. Well, like what I am a huge believer of is that if you have a game, 
and you know, I'm not even against the hedge funds or anything like that, but if you have a game, it should be everyone can play by those rules. But essentially what they're doing now is they're changing the rules on people. So what they've done is they've actually, so the main way that people are investing in GameStop, because it is just regular people generally, they do it through an app called Robinhood, which is like no commission stock investment app. But they actually shut the ability for people to buy GameStop and then put like, you know, downward pressure on the price because of that. But they allowed people to sell the positions on GameStop. I think they also started to do it with some of the other stocks that mm. people were... They have, like and then it was AM. limited to five. And then I think one, I believe, a single stock. So, yeah. And I did I did listen to the statement from the... Pers- the I guess the... I don't know if it's the CEO or the head of Robin Hood, and I I can't tell if there's truth to it or not. I don't know. Um, there's so would be so many inner workings and behind the scenes stuff going on that you could see that there could be pressure, but I don't know. Yeah, the Vlad guy. I mean, like that guy, he's in serious strife. So that Robin Hood is going to go public shortly, but he's in big trouble because I watched all of his interviews and. It's very hard to see uh, his position and how it actually makes logical sense. I think if he said, because other exchanges have said, we don't have the liquidity to trade. So that makes sense. And I don't want to go down this whole rabbit hole, but essentially, you know, when you buy something in the store and nowadays in Australia, it pops up on your account instantly. Whereas with stocks, they still trade at a settlement of like T plus two, T plus three. So essentially means you do the trade, but you don't get the stock until two or three days later. Like it actually gets exchanged, right? Because they don't use a blockchain or anything like that. So it's not instantaneous. So essentially when a whole bunch of people are buying, they're at a point now because the price is going up so much and it's just kind of being a bit crazy or volatile is the word that they use that they can't guarantee that they're actually going to be able to even like front up the money for it. So like if he came out and said, the Vlad guy, oh, we just don't have the liquidity to do it. I'd be like totally on board with that. It makes sense. And if you sell, it's fine to allow people to sell because when you're selling, you don't have to front up money, right? Whereas when you buy, you do. But he said there is no liquidity problem. He was very adamant. There's no liquidity problem. And then the weird thing was the next day, they got an emergency $1 billion loan of cash, like a line of cash. It's just like, it doesn't really like add up at all, like um, on his end. So I think that guy's in actual, actual trouble. Like from what he said, I think even the SECs said they're going to investigate Robin Hood. So the most the most important question I have for this is uh, how does this affect Reggie? <laughs> you know, he is actually referenced as because when I was looking through their analysis on Wall Street bets, like why people should be positive about GameStop, one of them is uh, Reginator. Reginator is a reason to be positive. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's he, kind of funny. Because he, I, I have no idea about board members and if they get stock and stuff but it wouldn't surprise me if part of his deal he gets stock you know well Um, so that part of it is like fascinating right because a lot of people don't like GameStop in the US like 100% all these like executives get stock but they often get options so it's you know the ability to buy at a cheaper price regardless of whatever the share is trading at I actually think, because their reporting period is coming up really shortly, so that's generally when you have your options exercised. These executives, they're going to make like a million, like minted because of this situation. Well, that's what I was about to say. Like, 
you know, I know there's limits on what we can and can't say about this topic, but from someone that knows nothing about stock and has never invested in their life, which is me. Um, and me. But, but also, yeah, a lot of other people as well. Um, do, is this a good thing overall, In do you think, for, for GameStop? Um, I mean, it's brought it's brought a lot of attention to their business, which it, it I can't think be is bad possibly it can't a good be a bad thing, thing because okay, okay. essentially, like I'm surprised that they haven't issued stock. Maybe they're preparing it. So right now they can issue stock. So it's it's weird the way it works, but companies can buy and sell their own stock essentially, right? And if you feel like your company is undervalued, a lot of companies go and buy back their own stock, right? Now. Anyone, I think any financial analyst would say that this stock is overpriced. I, I think that's almost like a given, right? It's, well, that's the whole point of this thing, isn't it? Yeah, right? they're trying to short squeeze the hedge funds. But if you're GameStop, I'm surprised they haven't already done it, but I would look at like basically issuing more stock, so essentially selling stock, because effectively they could be paying off loans and everything. Yeah, it's it's... It's such a weird, bizarre circumstance for a business that essentially has been on such a huge decline. You know, I mean, they were closing, announced, I think, last year that they're closing more stores in the US. Yeah. Um, I think that, I don't, I could be incorrect. Did they announce they were closing some EB stores in Australia as well last yeah. year? So, being, they, the, being the nerd that I am, I actually read their financial information, so their financial disclosures. I was actually shocked to see that Australia had the most, as a percentage, most closures out of all of their international operations. So more than America. Now, well, I guess uh, are we are we getting into the topic of Australia yet or do we want to kind of Yeah, it's not like a good yeah, segue. Let, into yeah, it. let's let's yeah. move it to the yeah, yeah. the Aussie one. Uh, so in terms of like implications to Australia, uh, you know, the Australian part of the business is actually fairly healthy. So like just I went just, through uh, saying do we do we need to clarify our uh, I, I don't our think disclaimer? so because we're probably not okay. going to talk about like buying or selling the stock. Okay. okay. But um in terms of like, yeah, EB Games for Australia, like this whole GameStop debacle, kerfuffle, what does it mean for EB Games Australia? I, I think like number one, you know, having a head company that's healthier is always going to be a good thing. So they are a fully owned subsidiary of GameStop, the US. And I like being the nerd that I am, I went through their financial disclosures and like EB Games as, you know, because there's EB Games Canada as well, but the Australian EB Games is the healthiest component of their whole business. The only reason why it's reported as losing money in the US is because of FX, like the fact of currency differences. But if you just analyze a business on its own, it's actually performing all right. Uh, they do half a billion of sales per year, EB Games. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy for me to compare when you hear the doom and gloom of GameStop in the US. When I look as a consumer, when I look at, EB Games in Australia, it looks it it looks like it's a a very good business. You know, it looks like it's it. You know, you're obviously only seeing what the consumer sees, which is nothing about the financials. But I never got that impression, and it's only that's why I'm just thinking. Yeah, like in general, not even this stock situation. Um, you know, at some point, it makes sense that someone might even just buy the Australian operations if GameStop itself doesn't. You know. Um, it has to go belly up in, in a decade or whatever, just because it seems like in Australia it's still going well, but who knows where the games industry's at from a digital retail standpoint in, you know, 
even the next generation who knows yeah i I thought about that as well like i'm not really sure who would buy eb games in australia because it's like it does make money but it doesn't make like it's not killing it or anything like that like jb Mm. hi-fi is um maybe jb hi-fi will buy it well it doesn't really make sense to buy it's the only one i can kind of think of it doesn't really make sense for them because they already they're almost always got a jb hi-fi somewhere that EB Games is, right? Doesn't EB usually, yeah. Well, it's yeah. like to me, it's like a, a Meyer or, or a Coles or whoever. I, I'm still confused where the, all that stuff's at these days of ownership. But um, one Meyer, of those... Yeah. Well, they split, didn't they? Cosmo. Yeah, they split. Did they split? Yeah, yeah they okay. did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like to me, it would be one of those groups because that makes sense. Now you've got, obviously, your things like Big W that are selling, but that's such a small part of their business, the games part, mm. whereas JB Hi-Fi yeah. seems like it's a pretty big component. So. I don't know how profitable it is. I mean, Kmart completely closed the game section as far as I remember. No, they brought it back. You're right. They did they're close bringing, it for a while, so but they brought they it back. They brought hardware back. No, they're bringing they games actual... back as well. Are they bringing games back? When? Yeah. Oh, they, bringing, they announced it last year. They're bringing sexy back. Oh. Awesome, because yeah, they closed it down, and then I noticed they started bringing gaming gear in, which is really interesting: yeah, keyboards, yeah. mice, key lights, whatever. And then, well, because you can't get digital versions of those, you know, because you can't. Well, exactly. Um, and, and I think well, you that's... can if you just turn your monitor to white screen and crank up the brightness. I wonder if that's the thing about the Australian market, though, because if you look at the US, GameStop and just buying a game, like most games in the US, it's sixty dollars US. Or sixty dollars on the digital storefront, right? So it's it's parity in the US the way it works. Whereas in Australia, you know, we have a weird pricing structure where you can pretty much get a new game for like sixty ish or seventy ish Australian dollars, and that translates to like fifty or sixty, right? Yeah, but you can match. You can do all this other kind of you stuff. You usually right? match. Yeah, they have they have the policies. Whereas so the digital one, it's like ninety match. Australian dollars yeah. a lot of the times. So you know, I would love to know the numbers and the split between digital to physical in Australia. I bet it's like very different than the US, which is like fifty fifty now. Just I want to know the split, and I'd love to know the the number of sales that are price matched. Because EB still still sell a lot of games from memory at full price when oh, they yeah. come out. Oh, yeah, the full ninety nine ninety five. Yeah, definitely. And unless you know that you can price match, which obviously a lot of people do, but there's also, I think, a lot of people that walk in there and they just buy it for whatever it is. And there's usually little kinks where you can't match it because this particular edition has something else that technically JB doesn't have, etc. Oh, yeah, so I've run right. into yeah, those yeah, issues yeah. before. And, and sometimes I feel they do it intentionally just so they don't have to price match. But, you know, the option is there, so I'd love to see what the split is. So you were going to say something, Swinny? Uh, yeah, just thinking, just games retail in general in Australia now, we know that there's always been small stores that a lot of those have, don't exist anymore. But mm. I remember when EB Games really came to Australia. So the first store was opened in 97, but I didn't really start seeing any stores until 2000s myself. Yeah, and so. I don't know if that's... And JB Hi-Fi never used to sell games. So I'm just like, it just used to be for me like target yeah, yeah target was w. like the yeah, main was place kind of and, really, yeah. and toys r us and places like that yeah that's but true. Managed, yeah yes yeah, so whereas now it feels like the idea of jb hi-fi not having games and eb games not existing just such a yeah. weak concept to me and um, when did jb hi-fi start because they was that in the 90s i know i think Kilo, no, the it was one in the Kilo was the in the 2000s? It was in the 2000s and it was after EB Games. Wow, you mean when they started the selling oh, games yeah. you're talking about, right? Yeah. 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 No, I was thinking when JB actually started, but yeah, you're right. Oh, it was like the 80s. Oh, more, like the 80s more important when they actually uh, started selling games, yeah. And yeah. you don't really have, I mean, uh, 
you've got gamesmen who I think are based in Sydney. Yeah, they are. That are an independent um, retailer, independent as far as I'm aware. I don't think they're owned by anyone. Yeah, they are. Um, and then used to have Dungeon Crawl, which was in in Melbourne. Oh I think yeah, they yeah, went yeah, fully yeah. online. I, I don't again. Don't quote me. I I just remember. I think they closed their store, the physical store, and I think they moved online. Um, it was one on Elizabeth Street from memory. There was a there was a fantastic store. I wish I remembered its name so I could see if it's still open in the uh, Mooney Ponds. And I remember going like they would hold uh, competitions there, like beat the beat the master. And I actually beat huh, the cool. I beat the master at Do- uh, Dr. Mario and won myself Fire Emblem Path of Radiance for the GameCube, which was a hundred dollar game at that they? time. That's crazy. And, well, it's worth way more than that now. Yeah, and I <laughs> and I won that from beating a Dr. Mario Master. Just for, like I had never played anyone competitively Dr. Mario really before, and I'm like, <laughs> man, all those times that are sitting in my car playing uh, the Dr. Mario on the Game Boy uh, Advance version, I was like, oh man, that paid off. Got me Fire <laughs> Emblem. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Yeah, so look, I think in summary, like this is not going to negatively impact the Australian operations. It's probably going to alleviate some pressure that they already have. Um, but I do think the end game here is they'll be selling off EB games eventually to someone else. But that'll be the question. It's who would want to buy it? Maybe that's a bit of the the challenge. So, well, they've got a, they've got a really good foothold in Australia now, so it makes sense to me that someone would think of that as a. a a good investment, but who, like we know, the whole digital movement is going to change everything. So it will, but let's not forget they don't just sell games. If you, if I look, if I look behind um, Intergot's thing, I mean, I know I'm sure <laughs> a lot of that stuff so. you buy you buy from eBay and other places, but they've opened up Zing, yeah, relatively recently. Uh, although I still don't understand why they have to have two completely separate stores when there's so much stock that gets all between both um and you can tell they're trying to go into different markets like that where you have to have the physical thing but even that's hard to compete in because again you're dealing with ebay you're dealing with amazon where you can a lot of the times get that stuff cheaper than full retail in a store not as accessible in some ways for a lot of people but it's still cheaper so it's tough in this market yeah um unless there's like some sort of a weird like, like almost like a, a, gl- a I don't even know how, how to define this like a push from gamers to say hey we're not gonna we're not gonna buy things you know as much digitally we want to support the local stores we want to keep you know get people to stay in their jobs and we want to go to a brick and mortar store because there's it's just something I ethically want to do but I just don't really see that happening on, mm. on a grand enough scale that's fair enough all right, let's move on to our next story, uh, which is the new Monster Hunter Rise special edition for the Switch and also the special Monster Hunter Rise Pro Controller. You went all gaga Googa over that one. Yeah, like, so <laughs> my wife finally caved and actually uh, she's got the Animal Crossing special Switch edition. So that does look really cool, actually. Yeah. So does that, so does that bring your cool total... Songs. Does that bring the total of shared switches to three now in, in your yeah. household? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many do you have? Yeah, three. Three. Not three. bad. I need to sell one. I was bad with two. Because you had a switch. Wait, is it a switch light or is it a regular switch? I never got a switch light because of the whole Joy-Con drift thing. Ah, uh, okay. Good so point. I don't trust but, it. So wait, you've got three regular switches. Yeah. 
What do you do with three regular switches? No, I'm going to sell one of them. I'm going to sell one of them. Okay. Yeah. But does your wife use the Animal Crossing one as a primary one now? Yeah, but the problem is then she doesn't want to use the Joy-Cons because they break, you know, the, with yeah, the Joy-Con fair, drift. So fair point. It kind of defeats the purpose. But anyway, on to the Monster Hunter one. So <laughs> Monster Hunter, like they've often done this with Nintendo. So they've done this in the past with the 3DS and other editions to actually have a special edition for uh, Monster Hunter. I'm very amped up about this game. I think this looks really, really cool, especially the Pro Controller. Just looks super sick. Actually, I was thinking maybe I should just sell my Pro Controller and then, yeah. Get that like, one? Yeah, essentially. No, but then be like, oh, I don't want to use it because it looks so good. Oh, I don't want to ruin no, it. I don't, don't want to get... I, I regret not getting the Xenoblade on the one. Sticks. Xenoblade one looks really, really cool. This is this is easily the the coolest <laughs> looking Switch I've seen. Um, and mm. they didn't do any the, they didn't do anything at all for Breath of the Wild because that was launched, so they didn't do anything special there, did they? No, no. But it's when they didn't do a release later. Well, the thing I to say, reignite the thing I say though is because to me Zelda is always this has got that whole gold aesthetic, black and gold. Mm, yeah, but they could Zelda such a cool one. Zelda's always that, you know, gold cartridge or mm. something like that. And it just feels like, I know they've done that before. So didn't they, I think they did a 3DS for Link Between Worlds, didn't they? I believe yeah, they did it for yeah. Majora's Mask on 3DS as well. Okay. They've um, done did they do one for Pokemon? Was there a Pokemon one? Yeah. I don't remember Pokemon. Did, yeah, there's there a Pokemon like a special Pik- edition. Yeah. Mm. Was there a Pikachu one? Like they had for the 3DS. They look really cool after. Yeah, they had a Let's Go uh, Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee special edition. Oh, that was one. Cool, cool. But they don't do it that often. But I think Animal Crossing, this is going to sell like gangbusters. I know some people don't think it will sell as much as Monster Hunter World, but I actually think it will sell more than Monster Hunter World personally. The, uh, what's the, so the, Pro Controller, I've, I saw listed, I think it was on Press Start, at uh, 109.95 or 110. Yeah. It, what, do we know what the standard retail cost of a Pro Controller is? is it that's, that's about what it is, yeah. In wow. Australia. How much is it? About $110. Oh, controls okay. are just so expensive yeah. these days. It's crazy. It's just crazy. Relatively, but I mean, you use them a lot no, on a lot of different games and it stuff. It felt like... Essentially, like let's say 360 era, when that in like or PS3 or whatever, when that era was over, it felt like the controllers all jumped huge. Now I know they yeah. have a lot more tech, in, especially gone. yeah, but does especially PS4 and, and Xbox One and that. But I don't like the Pro Controller to me. It doesn't feel like that much. It doesn't like, feel that much to yeah. it. Yeah, no, it well, doesn't. I really, and no, I look, I'm, I'm going to defend it. I, no, think, I, I, I think it's well, one of my favorite one right here. No, 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 it's I'm a nice like... controller, but this it, it doesn't feel like, for example, compare, to, compare this to the tech in a PS5 controller, I'm, right? I'm looking at both. I've got both. You're looking at both. I feel like, I feel like the PS5 controller just has so much more tech in it, well, if not that really. makes sense. So, I... Well, no, the, 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 the special triggers, the touchpad, everything. This basically yeah. is just a normal controller. It doesn't... No, no, like, no. it's a nice controller, don't get me wrong. So this controller has but... gyro as well. Yeah, which... You know, so does the PS5 controller. Yeah, but the Xbox but one doesn't. Are they not... Yeah, but let, let's say compare the two that you have in your hand right now. Sure. Are they not basically the same RRP? I just feel uh, like no, I think the, the value... I think the DualSense is cheaper. The Dual, see, that's crazy to me because I feel like the DualSense has so much more tech crammed into it. It's more of And the development cost of it would probably have been higher as well. So it's it's the typical you pay a premium because it's a Nintendo. Yeah, but product. can I say the, no, so, no, no? Well, I, look, I'm not. I am a Nintendo shill on the on the podcast. Yes, you are. But what I'll <laughs> say is that the difference, though, is that this is every single 
PS5, you have to play this. You can literally not play any other controller at the moment. It's for PS5 games, apart from the DualSense, yeah? Agree? Uh, yeah, yep, yep. Let's right? go with yes. This, this is not even common. Most people don't even have I know it's, it's a pre- premium product. I get no, that. No, no, no. What so I'm saying is like that from a from an economies of scale, it's like... Yeah, yeah. yeah people don't right. even buy these in a lot of cases. Whereas this, you have That's to true. buy it. You have to buy that it. That is true. So... Hence, also the Joe Cons, I guess, are also quite quite expensive. But again, you know the the tech and and economy of scale and all that stuff. Absolutely, I gotcha. Yeah. So, Intergot, where can you get these in Australia? Uh, so EB Games and then also Amazon AU. Cool. I don't know if they're so, selling a JB yet. I haven't seen that. And I think they they're coming out Monster Hunter Rise's launch date, twenty sixth of March. Yeah, so, so I really like lot- the. I was just going to say, I really like the black and, and gold. It reminds me a lot. I was telling you guys, it reminds me a lot of the when Yamaha went through the phase in about 2006, 2007, I think, where they had the black and gold bikes, so the R6 and the R1, and black and gold. And then you had the R1 SP, which was like that super expensive limited edition, only mm. one of what was like 400 worldwide or something. It just looks so sick with the black and the gold. Yeah, I just checked. You can get it on JB Hi-Fi for pre-order. Nice. I sold my motorbike as well, Mike. You have? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. I need to sell mine. I haven't used that. Mine doesn't up. even start or anything. But, uh, oh, you should talk to my dad. I'll have a chat to him after the podcast. He, he I don't want to sell it, though. I don't want to... Oh, no, no. Uh, he oh, likes to fix help me fix it. Yeah, yeah. that'll be cool. I'm sure yeah. it's fine. I just need to, like, change it. Sorry. You, we're getting you, still need to hook, you still need to hook me up for his PS3. Oh, yeah. i got to talk to him about that. Text me. Text me. I've got two things to do now. All right, let's get into the next story, which also is uh, landing on the 26th of March. So we've got confirmation now that the very, very special rare edition of the Sanrio collaboration, so they're the folk behind Hello Kitty, uh, the special collaboration with Animal Crossing. So they had six cards, so six Amiibo cards that they released only in Japan. This was many years ago. And I basically wrote these cards off. So I think we've spoken at length about my wife collecting all the Animal Crossing Amiibo cards. But I looked at these cards and I'm like, I'm not even going to bother. Number one, they're all in Japanese. Number two, they were like trading at like 40 to 50 bucks Australian per card. And there's six of the cards. We have spent $300 on, you know, Animal Crossing cards. It's insane. Sounds like something you would do though. How much did you spend on the other cards you bought? Huh? 800 or something like oh, that. There you go. So it's not that much. But I mean, that. like that was a complete <laughs> set. Yeah, like 400 boxes. Well, this is a complete set of six. Yeah, so well, but that's the good it's news. It's a complete set. So for the first time, they're actually going to release these in English uh, outside of Japan. So that's the US, Europe, okay. and Australia. And for Australia, they've confirmed they're coming out, but we still don't know where or how. I think it's pretty clear to me that they'll only offer it through the, the Nintendo store that we spoke about last week. So okay. we have that new Nintendo store for Australia. Just Makes given sense that, as a way to get people to use the store, right? Yeah, and I think also they're very niche, these items. Like the regular Animal Crossing Amiibo were very popular. A lot of people were buying them at the EB Games and all that stuff for Christmas. But Well, they're niche, but are they niche because it's, it's, it's a fake nicheness that's created just to build the hype and, and the rarity? This is it's, niche. This is it's niche a card, with, right? Like what's on the card that makes it special? It's niche within niche. This is like a special version of them. Like yeah. I know, but, but, but what... what, what other than, you know, intentionally keeping stock really low, why are these niche? Like, uh, is there some NFC chips in them? I don't... Yeah, there's ignorance. NFC chips in them, yeah. 
Okay, there are, but there's well, there nothing are really. Cards, so they've all got right. But there's nothing really. In, there's no reason why they can't make tens of thousands of millions of these, right? Other than yeah, they don't not, want to make tens of thousands yeah, of millions of, course, of them because they want to keep them rare, so they they can inflate the price and people can pay fifty bucks for them. Well, we're saying niche. We're talking about the people that are interested in it, not so much the distribution or anything. Like that's these a, are a niche product. thing as well, right? Like they're very big on scare, artificial scarcity, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is like the ultimate artificial. Yes, yeah. So what can so, what can you do with these cards in Animal Crossing New Horizons? Yeah, what's the I practical for memory? Use of these things you can only just do them so that you can redeem a poster, so you can get a poster in the game. And then I think, I think I don't even think you can go to the island Harvey's Island to take a photo with them. I don't even think you can do that with these. So cards. I I think in uh, what was it New Leaf or whatever the the, the original game that these were created for. Um, they did a lot more, so they had like the actual exclusive villages and furniture and things. Yeah. And I understand why they haven't then gone and put all that stuff in just for this. Um, but it is a shame that, that you don't get more for it. Um, what I wish, so this, this is Sanrio, so we're talking to Hello Kitty, you know, people and things like that. I, have you guys ever heard of uh, Agretsuko? No. Agretsuko is a Sanrio character that they made a Netflix series about. It's a red panda that work, is a, like an accountant that works in an office, and okay. she to let off steam about how horrible her boss is and everything. She goes to karaoke and sings death metal at night. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Actually, and this Jess, is, Jess is really into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a And this is a Sanrio character, and I'm like, man, if they ever had a crossover where Gretzko was in Animal Crossing, I'd actually play Animal Crossing. Like that seems so funny. Um, but another thing is, yeah, like just. It's a shame that, like, just why can't they, for instance, do expand that crossover and make it so Hello Kitty is a, a guest character in your thing for a while? Like, it just seems like there's some missed opportunities here. Well, Hello Kitty's not one of the characters on the cards. I'm just saying in oh. general. I mean, it's a Sanrio yeah. crossover. So, and I think Hello Kitty's and on the artwork. Surely it's one of the main things. Not artwork of the buy. card, but sorry, of the packs. Maybe they're waiting. And well, they'll trickle and release it later once yeah, the hype comes back. I think the Animal Crossing's got a lot of legs. A lot of people still play the game. It still sells really well. And they're going to do... They've already hinted on it. Like, uh, in the next couple of months, they're going to have a Mario crossover in Animal Crossing. Okay. That could be interesting. So, yeah, Might have to uh, really boot it up see. again to check it out. See, I, the whole collecting thing's quite interesting because I... And again, I'm not shitting on anyone's collecting things. I collected a ton of stuff. That's I still a, have it in my shame. parents' place. Boxes and boxes and boxes <laughs> full of limited edition games, collectors' versions of them. Heck, I still have a ton of unopened collectors' editions of particular games. But one thing I realized the other day, now that I'm... You, you, you two might know, but the rest of our dear listeners don't know that I'm trying to go through this minimalist phase where I'm just purging everything that's not a non-essential, which also probably means I'm going to go want, digital. Do you want to advertise your new Instagram? Uh, no, it's it's fine. Not yet, because there's nothing game. <laughs> there's nothing. No, 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 only because there's nothing gaming related on Wait, there yet. I'm trying when, to understand. Put, is the shame on he doesn't want to... There's no shame. Be, no, 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 no. There's no shame. Why bring there's it up? Nothing, Why bring because it up? There's, nothing, there's nothing gaming related on there. No, so the reason I is give... He doesn't want to... Is he more shamed of the Instagram account I'm or more shamed of the show? 
No, I'm not ashamed of the of either one. The Instagram account doesn't get have anything gaming related on it. Anyway, when yeah, I yeah. put gaming related stuff, then I would probably do that. So the Instagram account that that Swinny's referring to is this Instagram account I've created where I'm documenting every single thing that I'm getting rid of, every tiny little thing, other than, you know, little pieces of rubbish and stuff. That's cool. Like, um, it looks cool. You should spruik it, man. It looks I'll cool. spruik it when I get to the gaming section, because I will. So the intention now, and I'm not trying to advertise my stupid Instagram, there's no profit, obviously, coming out of this. The intention <laughs> was to get rid of every single non-essential item that I have, including, of course, the huge collection of gaming-related stuff that I have. Uh, figurines, all of that trash. I've got, I've got so much stuff at my parents' place and here as well. And one thing that I, I find, and here's the connection I'm trying to make with an earlier story that we had. One thing I find interesting is um, I've been watching a hoarder show and it, it's a very wide spe- spectrum. There's, there's multiple reasons why you know people uh, hoard particular things or collect things, um, whatever you know gap I was trying to fill in my life, God knows. Um, but one thing that that I, I looked back and I thought to myself was, oh, I was buying, for instance, Lego um, and I ended up selling a whole bunch of Lego and when I was you know trying to renovate and, and, and move out of my house and stuff and it doubled in price in a lot of cases. And I was pretty happy with myself. I was really happy and smug when you know people were telling me, why the hell do you collect so much Lego? What a waste of money. And then proved them wrong because it doubled in price. But one thing I thought to myself was, what if I didn't spend all that money on buying that Lego? What if I put that money on the stock market? Yes, it could have <laughs> gone down, of course. But what if instead of having all this shit in my house accumulating and making me feel like a prisoner in my own house, basically, which is what it turned into, I actually used that money more wisely on other things that may have also had some sort of an investment value. And if it didn't, who cares? You know, well, I, I would just well, be saying. Give it, give it to the poor and the needy. I don't so, know. so okay. Funny, <laughs> funny. You say that because one of the things that I thought to myself was, and and please don't quote me on this because I haven't yet, I haven't yet completely um, decided whether I'll do, I'll do this or not. But a portion of everything that I'm selling that I will put. So a lot of the stuff I'm actually giving away. A lot of the stuff that I put so far. Um, almost everything I put so far on my Instagram, I'm just giving away. So I've taken stuff to the Salvos the other day. Um, I've I've put uh, my partner put stuff on Facebook for people to just come and grab it. Um, obviously, some of the gaming stuff is worth some money. I it's not that I don't need that money. It's just that selling it doesn't change anything compared to the life that I have right now. If that makes sense, you know what I mean. I can still put food on the table. It makes no difference to me because I don't have that money right now anyway. So I was thinking a percentage of it, and by a percentage, I mean a good chunk of the money that I can get out of selling this stuff, I should be donating to charity. I should be, you know, giving it to, and uh, my thinking so far is that it's probably going to be a gaming-related charity, um, or whether it's, you know, donating stuff to the Royal Children's Hospital. Um, You know, you can't really donate some of those games because they're kind of R-rated and there's a lot of those kind of games in there. But if there's anything that's appropriate to that or using the money to buy them consoles and buy them stuff that, you know, you, you can give those kids um, some some fun in their lives while they're in hospital and stuff. I think that's the plan right now. So I'm working my way towards that. I'm not up to the gaming section yet. Um, but when I get to that, I'll give you guys more updates. Cool. So that was a bit of a, a sidetrack. <laughs> okay. I wasn't. I wasn't trying to rant. I was just trying. I was just trying to say that I'm going through this process, and I'm hoping that 
yeah, when I get to the gaming section, I'll be putting it to good use. We need we needed a good balance on the show. We had uh, Intergot talking a lot about stocks. We've got right. Mike talking a lot Minimalism about... Minimalism and... Yeah, that stuff. What else? <laughs> talking about stuff. And later I'll be, talk- I'll be talking a lot about Assassin's Creed. So I think That's we right. So a perfect balance, yeah. Yeah. So, and I do warn, again, no one's going to remember this and it's going to be taken out of context in future uh, episodes of this podcast. I will be talking about minimalism and purging yourself of, of stuff in the future. And I apologize. And I might have to put a disclaimer every time I talk about it so people remember what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Um, anyway, let's move on to the bargain bin. Speaking of, let's get more stuff. Let's accumulate more games <laughs> that are cheap. <laughs> All right. So starting with uh, Epic Games. So Dendara Trials of Fear Edition is available until the 5th of Feb. On the Switch, we've uh, highlighted Sudoku Relax 4 Winter Snow. It's $1.40. They're great games. They're great Bargain. games. Really, really good games. No joke. And probably is the it highlight- just Sudoku? Sudoku, what's the... Uh, yeah, but they the really... Twist? What's a twist? No, there's no twist. They're just really good versions with great quality of life. Um, the Sudoku Relax games are fantastic. I might okay. pick that up, cool, actually. Cool. Yeah, um, same. And then the big one this week is uh, PlayStation. So just quickly on the digital sales, we've got Contra Anniversary Collection for six fifty, Ryzen 3 Titan Lords for $5 and Titanfall 2 Ultimate Edition for six eighty, but... With the PS Plus this week, they've actually just shot it out of the park. So you've got Destruction All-Stars, so the PS5 game. That was initially going to be a full RRP game, and then they've switched it to be a game as part of PS Plus. That's really cool. Uh, and, you know, some people are saying it's half decent. I think if it was, only, if it was ever going to be successful, they needed to do this, which is give it away, get a whole bunch of people into it, and then try to have micro microtransactions stuff that's like what that. i was about to say i have no idea about it but does that mean their model <laughs> yeah. of that well, stuff is different which is fair dude, enough, obviously you know? nothing's free come on yeah i think they were always gonna Sony have charity have microtransactions in it concrete genie which i've heard mixed things about but some people really love that game i've heard some good stuff about it i think if you love like graffiti art and stuff i think it's a it's i mean it's cool. free and it's free on ps plus so and then the big one like is uh control ultimate edition so mm. And this has caused a lot of contention with people, given that five hundred five have had this really funny thing of you know not allowing people to upgrade. I was wondering when you were going to bring five hundred five up. So yeah, so the publisher five hundred five, who we mentioned at the start theoretically as well, um, they didn't allow people to upgrade from the PS four edition, even if you had the seasons pass to get the PS five version of the game. You have Even to rebuy the Ultimate Edition for it. Yeah, and they said the only way you can get it is if you buy the Ultimate Edition. And also, by the way, they hmm. accidentally granted everyone the Ultimate Edition on PS5 by mistake and then reversed it, so uh... showing that they could actually do it. Uh, and now they've done this where they've given it away for free as part of PS Plus. A lot of people are really angry about it. I Look, personally, if you're going to... I've bought the game, you know, on PC. Yeah, it's same. like you make a decision based on the information no, you have in front I... of you. I think the no to me this is an asshole move for one reason. <laughs> I knew you'd it's, think on, it's an asshole. No, move. it's on launch day. Yeah, that's so true. That's true. That's that's the reason that I like. If it was like even like look at that point, a month is that better or too much, whatever. But the fact is that if people wanted to buy it just for the PS5 version, they're like, okay, they haven't been able to play it until the launch day, and then it's PS Plus. <laughs> so they didn't even and. Mm. Again, like it's all a decision, and you know. So wait, on launch day, does that mean people that paid for it were people that pre-ordered it? 
does so, work? Sorry. So if you bought the Control Ultimate Edition on PS4, yeah. which was a new SKU, basically, yeah. then you got the PS5 upgrade for free. But mm. you also could play it on a PS4. But a lot of people, like a lot of people, are annoyed because they had, they wanted to play it on PS5, so they'd already got the Ultimate Edition for that reason. Yeah. Preparing for yep, it yep, yep, for launch yep. day, and then suddenly it drops, and they find out it's free on PS Plus. Okay, that's that's kind of yeah. That's yeah, right. that's the, it's that's interesting though that they get the Ultimate Edition on Xbox when it came out on Game Pass. Obviously, they didn't. They do don't. The they DLCs. don't get the Ultimate Edition. No, no that's not the Ultimate. I edition, bought it yeah. separately. Yeah. So it's just which, which you know, whatever. Like you still, I, I, it doesn't bother me. Still, and it's also not the Xbox Series X it, version; fine. it's just the Xbox One version. Yeah, I noticed that as well. Yeah, uh. they may they may add that later in Game Pass. Who knows? But okay, well, that was a weird thing about it as well for me. That yeah, they had like then it makes Game Pass's version look really crap. Well, relatively speaking, I guess because yeah, mm. it doesn't have the DLC. So well, the DLC is really critical for me because the Alan Awake stuff. Alan Wake well, stuff. Mm. I always say Alan Wake drives me nuts. Also, Alan the Awake. game the Game Pass version will leave Game Pass at some point. Whereas, as long as you retain your PS Plus, you don't you get lose to keep access. this. Yeah, exactly. One um, thing I will so, say about this as well is that it continues the fact that Control is our biggest big week in gaming game of <laughs> 2020, well into 2021. Can we yeah, all play that game the, and then review it? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm still playing it. Well, I've, I've already started, started, haven't I? The game you've started it. Keeps it's giving. I talked about it on the show. Oh, okay, shit. Okay, well, I'll get into it then. <laughs> Remember, so, I'm like, oh, it's a mystery game and it's this file size. And... Oh, yeah, you did say that. You did yeah. say that, yeah. So one, one, one thing is we obviously don't have any deals on Xbox this week, but if you could call it a deal, segue into the next game, Cyber Shadow so, came out so, on Game Pass this week. So, I like how Mike is trying to do all the segues. I yeah, just, let's, let's go, I just think it's a natural segue into Mike, this. I just want to clarify as well, the reason why we yeah. never have Xbox deals is because they end the next day after our show goes up. So there's no point putting them up for people. That's it's really annoying, I guess. Yeah. Right, yeah, Cyber Shadow, could, Cyber Shadow, Cyber Shadow. Yeah, let's just do you want to open it up, Because you played Cyber Swinny. Cyber Swinny, you played... Almost all of it. Wait, okay. Why, why am I opening this up? Just because I'm the one. Because that... you're the the <laughs> cyber shadow expert guy who played. All right, more than I am. Did. My name is Cyber Swinney in the uh, in the the system we're recording this. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So Cyber Shadow is a game that has been known about for for quite a while, but kind of blew, blew up again as part of the I'd say the Nintendo um, Direct in recent months, where it got a lot more eyes on it and a lot more people paying attention to it. Um, so it's from uh, essentially a sole developer by the name of, I've got his name here, Arn, it's Arn Hunziker, I think it is, um, which he, he comprises Mechanical Head Studios, and it's published by Yacht Club Games, who are very well known for the Shovel Knight series, or games. Mm. Um, so it came out on the 26th of Jan, so Australia Day, and we all gave it a shot. And I think we all, I think we're all on the same page in saying that from the trailer, it would definitely look like a game we'd all really want to, you know, give a shot. It, it just looked yeah. cool. The music was cool. The trailer was neat. Um, especially Mike and I have recently played The Messenger, which while they are different games in quite a lot of ways, they've still they've got a lot of that Ninja Gaiden kind of uh, heritage to them. Yeah. But this game in particular, I would say is less... It, it's definitely Ninja Gaiden, but it's got... It's kind of sprinkled in with a lot of Mega Man and Contra in a lot of ways, but the game that I think it's the most similar to, 
and the developer has mentioned this before, is there's a game called Blue Shadow on the NES, which, well, that's a name in Australia and Europe. It's called Shadow Uh of the Ninja in the US. And if you look up, it's from Natsume. If you look up that on the NES, so Mike, you probably looked at it. So look up Shadow Ninja NES. It looks like it looks like this game. Basically, it's like futuristic ninja action two D platforming. I think the difference there is I think this, that's a two player game as well. Um, but yeah, Shadow Ninja. If you've ever played that game or Blue Shadow, that you know what to expect mm. with this. But mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know what you, what you guys. Uh, how much did you play of this game, by the way? So. About half of what you did, I think. I, 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 it's hard to measure how much, if that makes sense, other than I can say I've got the first two power-ups without okay. spoiling anything. That's as far as I got. So it, it's not that I didn't enjoy the game or anything. I, I'm actually really digging the game. Although what I think so far is that it can be a little challenging at times. Fair, but challenging. And I quite like that certain parts where I die you can tell a particular enemy was placed in a particular spot so you can get screwed over there, which I think is really clever, actually. Um, The one thing that drives me insane is those annoying little fly things that do that sort of circular thing. You know what I mean? Like they do like that arc and they come back to try to hit you. Oh, I hate those. (laughs) But it feels like it's kind of like Dark Souls. It's fair because once (laughs) you understand understand the way they move, you're like, oh, okay, I see how I can counteract that. The the only thing that I found that I I, I slightly didn't like, and I don't know if it's my controller or just the way I play or whatever, um, is it it, turning, turning to hit the opposite way that you're currently facing, something about it sometimes just doesn't do what I want it to do. It's like I try to turn around to quickly, you know, hit one of those things to the other side that I'm currently sitting at and it doesn't really register properly. I don't know if it's because it doesn't register because I'm hitting two buttons at the same time or something. I don't are know what's you, going on. Are you using the analog stick or the D-pad? I'm using the analog stick. So I'm starting okay. to think maybe it's something to do with that. Uh, it, it, look, it's not it's not a big deal. And overall, it doesn't really, you know, distract from from the, the game, which I actually really am enjoying. Um so yeah, I, positive for me so far. I'm I'm keen to actually go through it and finish it. So I got up to like world past world two, I think it was. Um, Probably the same part as me. And I'm kind of a bit meh about the whole game. I'm not saying it's a bad uh. game. Definitely not a bad game. It just for me was kind of like nothing special. Personally, like I think it looks great, plays well, but it just didn't really jump out at me. It wasn't really like a game that I was just like, wow, this is amazing. I'm just going to really plow through this. As compared to something like Shovel Knight, and I know it's not developed, it's published by them, but uh. it's not developed by them, but that just that game was just like special from the start. Like I thought it was great from huh. the start. Um, That's interesting. I've got the complete opposite. I couldn't get into Shovel Knight, uh, which I think is really cool that it's such a contrast between us. That's why and, we and never get along. I didn't find it as hard as, maybe I just not far enough into it. Because I, I saw some people saying, oh, it's a bit like the checkpoints are not close enough or stuff like that. I'm like, mm, I thought it was fine. Didn't really think that think of that as a problem. Did you find that, Swinney? Or... Yeah, so I, I guess to clarify as well, probably should have done this at the top, is that this is less a review. Uh, this is definitely impression. Mm. So I'm about five or six chapters in. Um, so decent way into the game, but I... The, this game is it is structured in a linear way for most of it, but then it starts splitting off. And my assumption is that it will probably get more so like that. It's not going to be 
it's not going to start spreading out to be a full metroidvania or anything like that but you definitely have the ability to go back to areas with yeah. new abilities and things but cool. it's not it's not structured like a metroidvania traditionally so don't think of it from yet who knows what happens right uh, it's not it's not yeah no. i don't think it is I, that's not what i'm gonna get the impression of but um yes yeah, just so far, look, I'm playing on uh, Xbox Series X, so it's on Game Pass for anyone that's interested as well. Um, this would be a great Switch game, but it's to me, it's got a really good difficulty balance so far. It definitely starts ramping up, though. I'd say the parts that you guys are up to, I considered a super, not easy, but like it was like, okay, this is cool, this is just fine. It definitely starts ramping it up. And what's cool is when they give you new abilities, especially ones that change your movements movement quite a bit it's not like oh suddenly the game is easy they start then throwing a lot more at you that is okay. really requiring you to actually master those abilities so i'd almost prefer if it was like that yeah i'm um, not saying it's easy but i didn't find it challenging at the start oh I it definitely starts that. ramping the challenge up and i think it's only going to just get more and more if if this and i think mm, it's a good okay. curve but it's this isn't a game this isn't a casual game in, I don't think in any way. Now, it's not as difficult as your classic Ninja Guidance and stuff because it yeah. doesn't... It's a lot more forgiving. So we talk about the checkpoints. I think the way they handle the checkpoint feature is just just brilliant. I think it's genius. So yeah, it works really well. Yeah. What what happens is you come across a checkpoint and there's not that many checkpoints. So it you, you feel like you earn your progression when you get yeah. to So it. I think that's why people were complaining about that they can... You, you can... It takes a while sometimes to get to a checkpoint and the, you can screw up in the middle of the it. Thing, but it's not it's not too bad. The thing I have to say to those people is, well, you need to just get better. You do. Like, <laughs> get good. Get that, good. Wow, that is, but that's wow. the whole point of this <laughs> no, game. but it's is, true, though. It is true. Yeah, learning Because yeah. if you don't actually go through those trials, when you get when the game starts getting harder, you're going to struggle if the game just starts yeah, handing checkpoints yeah. to you. You need yeah. to actually learn. And they do a lot with the enemies. So the, like, they... they they get a lot out of the enemies that they put in each area. So they yeah. start, you know, it's like Mario level design a lot of ways and stuff where, you know, they'll start sprinkling them in and then they start just ramping up with the same enemies and mixing two enemy types together that you've faced separately before. But they get a lot out of it and you really need to learn the ins and outs of their patterns and how, mm. many pro- like, exactly how many projectiles they're going to shoot because, like, there's a stage, I think it's the third level three, um, where... The whole stage, whenever you're in an open area, there's a giant beam of light that will come down and sh- shoot you if you're staying in the same spot all the time. Wow. And suddenly nice. <laughs> it starts mixing that in with the enemies that you had to learn the patterns before. And it's just, it's real masterful level clever. design. That, I think that's it's, really... that level, that third level or chapter, I think is just absolutely fantastic. Cool. And you know, I love the level design as well. It's And like I said, there's certain enemies that I love where they're placed because it's they're challenging because of where they're intentionally placed. Yeah. Like certain enemies where they can fire something and there's a gap just before that. So if they hit you, you fall into the gap and you die. And I think it's it's frustrating potentially, but it's just brilliant the way, the yeah. way they did it. And that stage, you know, the person that's shooting that beam at you, you know, let's just say you end up in a pretty cool encounter with them. So the, nice. the I, I like the way that this the game kind of builds up the stuff there, but just quickly mentioning the checkpoints. The reason why I reckon the checkpoints are genius is because mm. you can essentially customize these checkpoints based on... It's almost like custom dif- uh, difficulty in a way. So not every checkpoint, but a lot of checkpoints will give you the ability where you can spend some of the currency that you get from enemies to to 
set it so that it's also going to replenish your energy or your mana or whatever, um, Nimpo, I guess, from a Ninja Gaiden standpoint, uh, or and replenish the ability. And each area has its own kind of ability to focus on. So I think one of the areas has a ability called Swag Blade, which is not mm. only the one of the coolest names and ability ever, it is literally like a swag move when you master this thing, <laughs> which I definitely did master it. Like this is going to be. Is a... that the one that rotates and goes flying? Exactly. In front of you? Yeah, this, that's a really cool one. I like this that one. is this is going to be such a fun game to watch speedrunners at GDQ and stuff because it is just full of swag moves. And just <laughs> to make sure I wasn't being too ignorant of what this game, I, I didn't want to make a lot of assumptions and get a lot of stuff incorrect. I did look up some of the stuff that you will unlock because I didn't want to get it incorrect. Is there a double jump? Intercot, do you want me to provide that information? I just well, don't know. Uh, yeah, it's of sorts, right? There is a double, double jump. Yes. Oh, I love games with double jumps. Yeah. So <laughs> there's there are abilities that you will get that, that give you more movement options. And mm-hmm. there's one that comes pretty soon after where you guys are up to that cha- changes everything, basically. Um, and there's a lot. There's Later on, um, some of those abilities get upgraded to offer more stuff to them. So the abilities you guys are getting now aren't, don't stay that way. They get even better. So the it's and it's it's really cool. They do the developer does a lot with what you think is a small amount of stuff at the start. Like this this game is actually quite deep in a lot of its mechanics. Mm-hmm. And just the last thing I want to say is, I mean, this I love the music in this game so much. It is just, it's it's look, it's chip tunes. It's kind of like classic um, nest music, but it's just so. It's really good, yeah. I just, Same. it just makes you just want to just. It just makes you feel cool going through the levels, listening to this awesome music, and the sprite work is. It's hard to these days. There's so many games with great sprite work. I think mm. this is this is up there. Um, and yeah, just we're talking about Shuffle Night. I'm 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 with Mike. I had the opposite feeling with this is that i could never get in shovel Knight, and i appreciate that it's like really? one, a lot of games i appreciate it from mm. afar and maybe if i gave it more Same. time i it would click with me this clicked with me right away and it's not just because we were going to talk about it it's just this just feels like more my kind of game um, yeah same and well, I'll just say that, like, this is the beauty of gaming, right? And the fact that there's so many games available. Like, and I'll just be clear, like, I don't think this is a bad game. I don't think the medium, as I mentioned at the start of the show, is a bad game. It just, it seems like a pretty good game and it just didn't click with me. But this is the kind of game that if this was the only game I could play back in, like, 97 or 95, like, I'd probably love this game. You know what I mean? There is, there is one thing. I wish this game... And I think I know the reason why it doesn't. I wish this game had a duck because there's a lot of there's a lot of enemies where you're yeah. like, I just wish I could duck below these projectiles. I think the reason why is because they don't they the controls in this game are really simplified where they kind of build everything into just the jump and attack button with the directions, which is admirable from you know design standpoint, but it means that I guess they wanted to map, and I haven't got this ability yet, map the down, holding down and pressing something to one of those abilities in the future because that otherwise, why would you not have a duck in this kind of game? It's in a lot of the classic mm. similar games to this. So, like your yeah, striders fair point. and stuff like that, that, I guess. Did you... Uh, I mean, this almost turned into a big review, but speaking of reviews, I don't have access to it right now and I wouldn't even want to read them. Check out the reviews on Xbox... I don't get how that stuff is not auto-moderated or taken out almost immediately. 
What do you mean on on which version? For Cyber Shadow uh, on, on Xbox. On on the console. Ah, oh, yeah, on the console. Okay. Yes, sorry. I, I couldn't. It wasn't the same ones on. Uh, what PC. happened? Just 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 like I don't want to. I don't. I don't even remember them off the top of my head for me to actually quote them, but they're really completely non-related to the game. Kind of rate. I think one of them was quite racist. Racist. Um. Yeah. It's like people are. Re- almost review bombing it with non really nothing related to the game. Yeah, there's only like probably five or six reviews on there, but I think two or three of them were just what the heck is this? It's mm. really weird. Yeah, no, I think the game's fine. I just like I said for me it didn't click with me, but I could totally imagine it clicking with other people, like Swinney and I. Yeah, and the <laughs> fact that you guys like this you don't need to imagine we can. <laughs> Yeah, and I love the 8-bit aesthetic of the game. Like, it looks awesome. sounds awesome. I was really annoyed that it's so buggy on the PS- PC. Like, I couldn't use oh, my really? DualShock 4 controller. Wow. So I had to, like, I had, there's an app that I have that it fakes it being an Xbox controller. So there's a lot of, like, little things. Hmm. It's one person's studio. If only you had a controller that was natively supported by Windows. Hmm. Yeah, well, this is, no, no, sorry. <laughs> this is natively supported by Windows. The DualShock 4 is natively supported. It's, this game doesn't support it. Okay, okay. There's okay. two formats for PC. There's X input and D input. X input is a mm. proprietary format only for Xbox. All right, well, you, you proved me wrong. You, proved you had one of these <laughs> devices I merely used to scratch my beard with. What are they called? Um, Xbox... One controller. Yeah, nah, pass. Yeah. All right. Well, the let's, best controller ever made. No, it's far from. But anyway, let's not get into that now. <laughs> nah, nah, easily let's, the best I've ever used. I prob- yeah, doesn't I'm gonna, even I'm have gonna, a gyro I'll, in it. Who cares? Doesn't about, need one. Who cares about I hate gyros? gyros. <laughs> They're annoying in games. Every time like, I turn them off when I can, because they're so inaccurate. All right. Well, we'll but, play. Now, see that. Okay. This is going to go into a really different conversation. <laughs> but that that statement is incorrect. Gyros right, are more accurate time. than just a regular twin stick. Not All as right. accurate as mouse. Let's let's talk about that another time. Let's talk yeah, about let's another, talk time. About another right. time. All right, let's get into Swinney's yeah. final thoughts on Valhalla. Yes, we've got some we've got some uh, Valhalla to talk about because oh. I haven't talked about it enough on this bloody show. Um, <laughs> so back when I'm bored to death, just yet. <laughs> yeah. Buckle up, people. I will say, if you're not into Assassin's Creed, probably best to just end the show now. All right, come on. <laughs> Laters. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's very Assassin's Creed the next um, time. So, because we're gonna, I'm going to give my final thoughts on Valhalla, and then we're going to rank the whole series. So, just a heads up. Yeah. I've been wanting to do this for a bit, but it made sense to do it when I'd finished Valhalla. So, um, yeah. So, I gave my initial impressions back on episode 19, where this is episode uh, 29. Um, and that night, that episode nineteen was called "Goose of Tsushima," best episode title ever. Um, and I was I only about, title. I was only about fifteen hours in at the time. So, if anyone really wants to hear about, you know, a lot about Valhalla, think of that as part one, and this is part two, which is essentially after completing everything in the game um, and at about one hundred and twenty hours. So, the I played through the remainder on next gen when I got my Series X, of course, and. In general, look, obviously, it plays much better. It's just super smooth, uh, especially if you have it on performance mode. Um, the only issue I had was, for some reason, on next gen, I don't know if it's specific to the Series X, that the fog in the game, there's some areas that fog is meant to be a present thing. It's just actually made it very difficult to play. Like, I couldn't see anything. So I, when I tried changing the settings and everything there, it couldn't 
didn't do much, but I didn't have that problem on Xbox One. So that's the only downside of playing it on next gen was just the fog sometimes became an issue. But so as I said, I played the main story and then afterwards I put another about five hours in to clean up any of the events and collectibles. So now I actually understand the full structure of the game. So every quest in the game is related to the main story of the game. There's no side quests in this game. Traditional side quests, so to speak. Uh, which is very different from any Assassin's Creed since probably, I don't know, since Black Flag era. Um, Like, they've always had side quests that you didn't have to complete at all to get through the main story. But what they do in this game instead is they have what's called mysteries. So I've talked about it when I gave my initial impressions where you got your activities around the map, you got your world events and stuff. But it does change how you play through the game. And this is not a short game in any way. So I think, Intergot, you were asking me, is this game, what's the length of this game? Does it feel longer or shorter than, let's say, Odyssey? Yeah, and the context there was that they said that it's going to be a shorter game and tighter game. Yeah, and it's the one, my takeaway is that, look, I, I feel it does feel a little bit shorter, but it's so hard to judge. I'd say that they're kind of comparable. I don't think that they... Achieved what they were going to say, certainly, with that. Um, because because there's no side quests, it feels like everything you're, everything you're doing is kind of progressing the main story. But because of the way that they build in collecting the wealth and doing those little world events around in between your objectives and everything, it's so hard. It, it, each player is almost going to have a completely different estimate of how long they've taken to beat the main story because there's no side quests. Whereas traditionally you could say, well, I'm going to skip all the side quests, just play the main story, and that's how long it takes me. It's just, it's all weaved into it. It's really different. But this is a super long game. As I said, um, I 120 hours to do everything, but that's completing all regions, collecting everything. Um, with the exception, there's some super secret stuff that um, the community's found that I didn't find by myself, but that's not going to add, you know, an extra couple of hours to the game or anything. Just, I guess, the, the first thing I want to call out was the difficulty of the game. This game is much, much easier than the last two games um, on the default settings. So I always play these games on default. But if you like if you, if you you like a challenge at all, you have to ramp up the combat difficulty in this. So the with Odyssey and Origins as well, they had a lot of boss battles that are even on the regular difficulty were actually really challenging and actually took you quite a lot of goes to actually get and understand the mechanics because essentially those games were dark souls games the combat's almost completely redesigned in this game in a lot of ways so it doesn't feel like that at all and the bosses in the game don't feel like dark souls bosses really and stuff like that so it's much easier so definitely um ramp it up if you want to challenge um but about that combat so i said in my initial impression that I didn't know how I felt about it. it felt like a step down from, uh, especially from Odyssey, and that that's hundred percent how I still feel about that game. So after that was after fifteen hours, and after one hundred and twenty hours, the combat still doesn't sit well with me. I think it's uh, a huge step backwards from Odyssey. I will say, what's that? What, what, what's the difference, sorry, in the combat? Well, first of all, the stamina regen. So now Intergot you know, has a good understanding of this from Dark Souls. Um, in Origins and Odyssey, it would work the same. So, you know, you, you dodge or you go to hit an enemy and or you block something, it takes stamina away and you've got to let it regen. In mm-hmm. this game, you use your light attack to replenish stamina while your heavy oh. attack uses up stamina. 
But if you've got to land that light attack for it to, to replenish. So it feels really, really messy. And even I was hoping that the combat abilities that they give that, you know, I started unlocking as I played more and more would feel like there's more finesse to the combat. It never mm-hmm. felt like that. And it always felt like I'm just running in, mashing my light attack all the time and then chucking. And there is a lot of, like, it is, there's a big focus on parrying. So that's good. I love parrying in games. But it still felt messy. The one thing I will give credit to the combat in Valhalla is that there's a huge focus on weak points. So when you use your um, uh, eagle view in combat, you see weak points appear on enemies. So if enemies got a shield, you might see the weak point appear on their foot. Bosses, you might see it, they'll have three weak points that'll, that will appear. And if you take out, if you hit each weak point, it will then stun the enemy and you can do huge damage on it. That is a really, really cool addition that they um, put a big focus on with this. But otherwise, it's a huge step down. Um, I did use the same weapon type for like the first 80 hours. And as soon as I changed that, so I swapped from the bearded axe weapon type to daggers, I was immediately happy with the combat. So my suggestion to anyone is... Um, if you're not feeling the combat at all, 100% try a different weapon style. Don't stay... Just because like it was working for me to be the deck, so that's why I didn't change. But as soon as I changed it up, it just felt better. So that's my suggestion is if you're not feeling it, to try something else. Last couple of things I want to mention. So the gear, the gear system in this game is just trash. Um, I, I ended up keeping the same gear I found within the first five hours and just keeping that the whole game. Which... Wow is nothing like the last game. Now, the last games went overboard with the gear, um, where every enemy was dropping, like, three helmets. And it's not that I want that back, but this game just didn't feel like there was any point to ever changing your gear. Once you found gear that had buffs that you like, you just kept upgrading it. There was no reason to switch. And there's no way to save loadouts. So, Odyssey, you could save, I think, two or three different uh, gear loadouts, so you can swap for different situations. You can't do that in this game. So they really, really de-emphasized it. And I guess that's just the way they went with the game. Um, is so it's like Fashion Souls and Dark Souls 3. <laughs> well, but no, but even that, it's worse. So if you upgrade your gear, it changes the look of it and you can't change it back. So if you like mm. the way the gear looked and you just want it to get better, it actually changes the way it looked. Now, they are introducing uh, transmogrification in. So they had it in Odyssey. So if anyone doesn't know, it's a Diablo-style thing where... You can change the look of your armor from the aesthetics, but it still keeps the same stats. So they are introducing that, which is, I think, a huge, uh, great addition to the game. Mm. Um, but the worst part of the game for me... So the gear, I can I can take it or leave it. But the rune upgrade system. So I said in my first part that I didn't like the way runes were worked, so that's where you slot runes into the armor and everything. It absolutely sucks. Like... There's no way to... I couldn't tell any way to sort these runes and you get hundreds of them. And so you're scrolling through them all the time. If there's a way, I'd love to know. Um, and it just seems to randomly list them. So it's like you get good runes and then you've got to scroll through all the crap ones or you just got to sell them. And I couldn't figure out a way to easily sell all the crap runes at once. So you have to sell them individually. It's just a mess. Um, Odyssey, the way Odyssey handled it was way better. Um, but look... I don't want to take away from the fact that I did actually really enjoy Valhalla. I'm just from someone that's so into this series, those things that I just talked about is what stands out to me as Mm. my frustrations of the game. I mean, 
Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fearing Swinney, where Valhalla is going to be on your tier list in this next segment. <laughs> it's not going to go in the trash tier. Don't worry about it. Well, it's that. not going to go in the S tier as well. That's for sure. So the, I, the storyline of this game, I, it's actually one of my favorite in the series. And so I think that is, that is a huge reason why I, lo- I love this game so much. And generally just the experience of playing, I enjoyed. It's just combat is such a huge part of it. And the gear system, when we're talking about an action RPG, they've definitely de-emphasized that RPG nature of it. It's, it's kind of, they went a bit too much probably with Odyssey for some people, which I understand and have paired it back a bit. But the, I did like the story, but I had one huge problem with it. And this is going to be the last thing I really talk about is the tone of the game. So I mentioned in in my initial impression mm. that it felt like okay, who is who is uh, Avor? Is he a or she? Or, uh, he or she? Like I think canonically, um, Avor is female, but um, I played as male Avor, whose voice actor is fantastic, probably the best male voice actor in all Assassin's Creed. Um, just they're they're a bad person. What can I say? Like they are the baddie. <laughs> You are, I'm thinking are that at some point they're going to maybe change. I get it. Look, they're a Viking. They're an invader. But yeah, I mean, to give an example, right? And this this shouldn't really spoil anything. There's a, there's a mission where you set, you basically set an entire town on fire and kill everyone, all the guards. You can't kill innocent people in this game, thankfully. Just to piss off a king. So it's not like you're doing, you just to, it's like a political, there's a lot of political games in this. It's a, polit, that's the whole storyline. And then immediately, while everything's still on fire, you and your friends, including some like young English lord who's like joined, joined, like there's an ally. You're mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, to celebrate, let's go fishing. So then they go fishing in the lake next to all the burning houses. <laughs> that's hilarious. And the <laughs> civilians are still running around. Do that. <laughs> It's just it's, that, the game is, is trend- that kind of glitched, or is that just no, no? It's like happens. Like- it doesn't say it's the next day or whatever. It's like it's wow. the game is tone deaf to in a lot of ways. But it's looked as I said, you're a Viking. Like that's what Vikings do. Well, yeah, they didn't shy do, away from it. But- yeah, but they killed your father or something, right? So. What do you expect? No, but that right. no, but that everything's for a game after that. That, that storyline is uh, completely <laughs> separate thing. It's got nothing to do with this. Oh, okay, right. So, so this is just you being a Viking. Okay, right. Yeah, like there's times when you're meant to think of the this person as a villain, but they're just defending themselves from you being an invader. But does the game does the game make it and intentionally show you that it's so grey? Look, or does it they, kind of what, take itself? Yeah, how does what it... they try to do, they try to explain some of it away by linking it to, and it's spoilery, so I can't talk about it, but they try to explain some of it away, okay. but it doesn't change the fact that, you know, you're meant to, there's a situation where someone gets poisoned, and you're meant to think the person who poisoned them is like the biggest villain ever, and it's like, I just went and killed all these people and just <laughs> ransacked all these towns. <laughs> who cared if that dude poisoned someone who's like trying to kill him? It's like yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't the story doesn't really r- realize the context of everything that you do. Just be aware. Just look at the big picture. Just be aware. In this game, you are playing as a villain. In my opinion, okay. you are playing as a villain. Now, it's not the first time says Creepton and said you play as a villain, <laughs> but this one is the most tone deaf uh, approach to it. But, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So look, overall, I really, really like this game. I don't think it's the best. 
entry point for the series to anyone that hasn't played Assassin's Creed. I think that is still probably Origins or Odyssey for the recent games. And then going back to last gen, maybe Unity Syndicate or and the HD Trilogy, Ezio Trilogy, they're great. Um, but I'd mm-hmm. say for the newer games, I would probably play Origins first. I think they'd give you best entry point. So, Do you know if it's going to get, is Origins going to get um, an update for the series? Origins? Well, it's... I mean, Origins is pretty old at this point. You Yeah, but do you think they'll do, is it, is it going to get any type of... I don't Native. know. I mean, I, I yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, they I updated it. they updated Origins okay. from the one to the one X, and that was a huge thing. But I don't think so, um, unless they surprise me. They, you know, what they might do? They might try to resell it as a like a, a, a bundle remastered version, or something. Yeah, yeah, remastered, or maybe a bundle with Origins Odyssey but, and Valhalla in one. I guess that leads me to where does this game rank in all the Assassin's Creed? Yes. So, Thankfully, we've got a segment lined up to tell us exactly that. Oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> tier lists. Tier lists. Didn't see that one coming. Tier lists. I think this is technically our first tier list of the show, which um, uh, technically. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've, we've, we've talked about stuff before, but I haven't. don't think we've ranked anything in an actual tier list. So now I, uh, for some context, I can't actually see what Intergot's uh, doing with this. So I don't know. Are you ready to... Uh, to... I'm all done. I'm all You're ready. all done. Awesome. So... I've ranked them all. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I want to just preface this because you will, you will not be truthful about this. Swinney is like a mega fan of Assassin's Creed. Like I would easily go and put him worldwide up against almost anyone in terms of knowledge and love for the series. Ubisoft, you you need to sponsor this man. Yeah. Get, get his insights about the next. I, I some lo- shares in Ubisoft. My love for the series, and I will clarify, is more so for playing the game and the mechanics and stuff. When it comes to the lore and everything, the look for anyone that doesn't know, Assassin's like Creed has. Oh, I like it, but Assassin's Creed has it's such a crazy detailed lore that it's it's just insane. So don't, don't ask him what an animus is. He does not remember. No, an animus kind of is detail. like your most. Surf- <laughs> Have you ever seen those memes where you got an iceberg and then they put the words and then keep going down? It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. animus is the tip of the iceberg, hmm. Mike. Like we're talking, <laughs> I, I like know, it I gets know. crazy. <laughs> and one thing I will say last about Valhalla as well is that this, that game goes places. Anyone that doesn't know Assassin's Creed can get weird. You're going to be shocked. Yeah, so, I've heard okay. that. I've heard that. So, so we're going to go chronologically, starting from Assassin's Creed 2007. I, I'm going to start there, but I'm going to move. I'm going to. I'm not going to go chronolog- chronologically. Oh, you're going to test me, man, because I'm going to recognize the, <laughs> the box art. Oh, uh, right, well, that, okay. I'll go chronological. For no, your no, sake, that's fine. Then. Let's go. Let's see how I go. Let's so go. let's start with Assassin's Creed now. And I was shocked. This is Xbox 360. I don't yeah. know. It feels like the series has been around for a lot longer for some reason. Well, what else would it be? Yeah, on the original Xbox. I don't know. It just feels like it's been around for like twenty years. This it series. was pretty early in the three hundred and sixty era, but um, yeah. So it was the year after it. Intergot, launched. you may you may have forgotten this, but yeah. you're responsible for everything. Oh yeah, you bought me the first Assassin's Creed. Did game. I? I don't even remember that. <laughs> funny. I have a feeling it was when you were moving to Sydney interstate. And I think you bought it for me as a as I don't know if it was a birthday present or something. I just remember it happened to be around the same time, and it was like it was such an awesome present. I was super hyped to play it because I was a huge fan of the Prince of Persia games. <laughs> and I'm like, this looks cool. And you bought it for me. You started this whole thing. I screwed so. your life. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Assassin's Creed. So it came out 2007. I'm going to put Assassin's Creed. Oh, we should also say the rankings are S tier, A tier, B tier, C tier, and trash tier. Yes, you got to have a trash tier in a tier list. Like even <laughs> if, look, I'm. I'll clarify the when I put the when I put something in there, but you know, none of these games are horrible. But you got to always have a trash tier. <laughs> not not horrible, just trash. Assassin's Creed. Where do you rank that? It's it's a, it's a relative scale. So Assassin's Creed. Goes and these will be ranked within the tiers as well. Um, oh, okay, yeah, I'll just tell you where it goes after or whatever. Jeez, uh, this goes in Assassin's Creed goes in C, C, okay, C, yeah. wow. So, and it's still one of my most memorable ones. But do, do you put a lens of how revolutionary this game was back then, or do you kind of so? Go... I'm gonna, I'm gonna explain my reasoning. Okay, so this game, look, Assassin's Creed had groundbreaking animations, a parkour system depiction of a living city it was it was just absolutely it, it, it was a trendsetter in that regard had a really unique defensive combat system a lot of people didn't like i liked it but the problem with assassin's creed one and a lot of people will have this problem with it is it's just incredibly repetitive the yeah. this they hadn't this was all this was really a prototype for had <laughs> what they had, could do yeah <laughs> That's a fair point and basically you were repeating the exact same stuff for each mission. And and you'll see where they went with that. They they learned huge. It was from, very modular. Yeah. Yeah. And the the other issues I have with first Assassin's Creed is the story delivery is quite lacking. The actual story is not bad, but the actual way they deliver it through just going to each of the little Assassin's Bureaus, blah, blah, blah. It's quite lacking. And Altair as a character is actually quite flat. They flesh him out more so in the other games that he's not part of, and he becomes more interesting. But as part of Assassin's Creed, but the reason why it's in C tier is there's just so many better Assassin's Creed games. That's mm. honestly, you have to rank them. So okay, it goes in C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. All right. So we, uh, we go in sequential, or you want me to. Like, if you already have the order that's order organized, like all the B tiers in order or whatever, maybe that's the easiest way. Nah, I'm just gonna. I'm just. I'll just go sequential for now. So, oh, Assassin's gosh. Creed Two. Yes, you found that one. Yeah, well, they're all in chronological order cool. for me, so it's easy. So, <laughs> Assassin's Creed Two is going in the B tier. Okay. Mm, okay. Yep, yep. Which a lot of people, this is their favorite Assassin's Creed game, and I understand that. Ezio is a cool ass character. He was a breath of fresh air after Altair, who was kind of. I said almost like a robot in a lot of ways. The missions oh. are no longer repetitive. There's lots of side quests. The cities like Florence and Venice and Foley, they're all just beautiful. Um, they had a hub world of uh, Monte Rigioni where you could upgrade the shops. They added swimming. They added like new notorosis and they added heaps of stuff. The reason why Assassin's Creed 2 is in the B tier is just because there's better games in it. That's honestly it. Like I love Assassin's okay. Creed 2. It's just there's better games. And one better game than that is the one that came right after, which is Assassin's Creed Brotherhood from 2010. Mm-hmm. So you got that one? Yep. So this added, this basically is Assassin's Creed 2.5. It really is. But mm. this is S tier. Whoa. Ooh, damn. <laughs> yeah. With the, for the ones that I've played, I, I tend to agree. Assassin's oh, Creed Brotherhood, until Odyssey came along, was my favorite in the series. And well, I've you're just given away. No, you know, but yeah, I just gave it away. I gave that away. Be- than terrible. Terrible. No, terrible. I gave that terrible. away because I've mentioned it before. I've mentioned well, it plenty of times on the podcast. Assassin's Creed is my favorite game. <laughs> What's the point of listening to the rest of it now? We, we, we know the winner. 
I wanted to stress how much I loved Brotherhood, in, but honestly, I've talked about so much being my favorite game. So, what's that's another surprise? So, <laughs> he sells this in the worst way. <laughs> Brotherhood. So, if you want, you can chuck Odyssey up there. But I wanted to just mention something about Odyssey when we do it. Oh, well, um, okay. So, wait, are we putting Odyssey up there now? As no, well? no, no, no I, let's let, let's get to it and pretend we didn't hear. No, no, no. Last well, we might as well. So, is Odyssey ahead of Brotherhood. Odyssey is ahead of Brotherhood. So, there. Okay. That, that's uh, Odyssey is the. So it's an S plus tier. No, it's just a ranked. It's just ranked within the tier. Okay. Um, yep. So Brotherhood, I mean, they added double hidden blade assassinations. You could ride your horse through the city. It just took what two did, and just expanded. It gave you one city, but it made it awesome. It gave you Rome. It gave mm. you the Colosseum. It added these really cool things called Lair of Romulus, where almost like Tomb Raider style. So that's also oh, why yeah, I love I this game. It. It kind of had a lot of Tomb Raider style uh, gameplay and Prince Persia style gameplay. Um, it had multiplayer for the first time, which was actually really well done. wasn't my cup of tea, but it was really well made for what you'd think could be tacked on. They added, this is probably one of my favorite additions, they added 100% synchronization challenges. So that's where you're playing the main game, main missions, and they say to get 100% synchronization, you need to do these additional challenges like not get noticed or, or kill this person uh, you know, in a certain way, things like that. So they just added so many cool stuff to it. They added a whole recruitment system for assassins. You send them off worldwide on missions. You could get them to assassinate a dude on the street. Just an absolutely brilliant game. The flow of combat was really smooth. The, to me, it's my easily my favorite of the, I guess, the original kind of Assassin's Creed games. And then you want to touch on Odyssey, given that we've got it up there? Yeah, let's talk about Odyssey. So i just scrolling down in my notes about, oh boy, Odyssey. So... Odyssey is not going to so be... So this a... is the one that I should play, if you're saying. I I think Origins is, is a better entry point for the series. But I think I like the aesthetic and the setting of Odyssey. Then, so. then 100%. Like, this game is an absolute perfect mix for me, personally. Not only is it an action RPG, an Assassin's Creed, but it's, Greek, it's ancient Greece and Greek mythology, which is something I've always been super fascinated by. And the gameplay built upon Origins, which we'll, we'll mention soon, they added naval combat back in from Black Flag and Rogue. So you got, mm. like, it's just, like, the mix of everything. That that the, whole bit is, like, almost just, like, a side thing to the game, right? It's not, like, a core thing, from memory? For naval combat in Odyssey? Yeah. No, it's is a it? huge part of it. Because oh, okay. you think no. about the Greek islands, you're traversing between islands all the time. So naval combat's a huge part of it. Um, okay, makes sense. But the game, it was really fun in in some of the other games, yeah, though. The game like is the game is just gigantic, which is a good and a bad thing. You know, it's just the map is like a hundred square miles. A lot of that is land. It's just crazy. Um, the stuff I love, like obviously when they start introducing a lot of the mythological stuff, that's all great. Cassandra is my favorite Assassin's Creed protagonist, so you do have the ability to choose between her and Alexios. Uh, Cassandra all the way like she's her oh, voice actress is just yeah amazing. from what I played as well and I think everyone agrees on that it, the voice acting was so much yeah cool. and, and, and this is the one that they said they were only going to go with Cassandra but then the higher up said no you've got to have a choice between yeah. male and female and I mean they had a mercenary system which is basically the nemesis system from the Shadow of Mordor games like this game is insane you've got regions that are controlled by either Sparta or Athens and you can choose which one you want to take over the regions like, there's large-scale battles. This game, it also has the best DLC in the series. Like, the Fields of Elysium, like, are just jaw-dropping those They look really DLCs. cool. It's, it it's laid the groundwork place. for Immortals Phoenix Rising with those DLCs as well. Like, this game is just is crazy. It's, it is huge, though. And 
for people that do are very ti- uh, like have a lot of uh, I guess time restrictions and how much they can play mm. games and stuff. Like, it's a huge game, so don't think this is going to be something you can just knock out in a couple of weekends. Like this or that's this, what this I'm huge game. I want. I really want to get into these games. I loved the start of Origins. Played the start of Odyssey. And I just get put off by the scale of it. I yeah, love to. I, I want to enjoy the experience, but then I'm like, oh man, Od- it becomes overwhelming. Odyssey There's so much to do and oh. it takes too long. Odyssey lives up to his name. It's just it's it is an Odyssey. It's huge. Um, that, mm. That's why I got excited about Valhalla because they were very clear that it's going to be a lot shorter than Odyssey. And well, then based on the stats, it's definitely not. It's actually longer yeah. based on the stats. Well, do we want to rank out Valhalla, or do you want to leave that for? for no, the no end? let's go. No, let's leave that to last. So, okay, yeah. okay. I'm conscious of time, so All right. let's do another yeah. twelve games. All right, ago. Revelations. Yes. So you, you found that one? Yeah, yeah. So 2011, Revelations. You chuck that behind Assassin's Creed in the C tier. Oh, so this is the okay. worst ranked game so far. Yeah, this this game is if if Brotherhood was 2.5, this is 2.75. So this closes off the Ezio <laughs> trilogy. When I replayed it, I appreciated it more in the HD version. But it's it's set in Constantinople, which is cool at the start, but it feels very samey after a while. They added... This is adds a lot of cool stuff on top of Brotherhood, but it's kind of forgettable in the same way. And the whole bomb crafting system, I was like, eh, okay. So I don't mind it, but it's definitely a C tier. So that, okay. that gets yep. me to... Let's go to Assassin's Creed 3 next. Yep. I think I know where this one's going. Assassin's Creed 3 goes behind <laughs> Revelations. Oh, okay, so now this is the new lowest rank game. Yeah. So, having played all of them so far, I totally agree with Liz so far. So, this is the finale of the Desmond trilogy, and there's a lot to love about this game, but there's also a lot of frustrating stuff about this game. They completely overhauled the gameplay. So, we talk people like, oh, Assassin's Creed year to year. For anyone that knows, Assassin's Creed 3 changed everything. It changed the parkour, changed the controls themselves. It changed um, the combat system completely for the worst, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> I'm not as big a fan of the setting as well, although it's pretty Is this cool. Is like the Civil War type thing? Or? Yeah, I think it's like the Revolutionary War, I think. Oh, the um, Revolutionary War. Oh, okay, I think cool. so. I'm not, I'm not up to speed on my... Is uh, it against the British? History. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's the revolutionary. Yeah, role. so this it's cool. There's a lot for people who love American history. I think it's really neat. But the protagonist is Connor. He's just oh, I hate him so much. He's such a spoiled brat. He's the worst. I was to say so for someone who loves these games so much, you've been hating on him a lot in this segment. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I've also covered a lot of the C tier stuff. So true, true, but true. just look, they added they added naval battle stuff for the first time, which he was its own thing, which was pretty cool. But Connor is just as bland as shit. Like, I hate the protagonist <laughs> so much. There's good stuff in this game. The DLC, the tyranny of King Washington's like an alternate history stuff. That's all cool. They had a, you know, cool Wolfpack co-op multiplayer mode and the running a lot around trees is neat. But, man, yeah, C tier for me. C tier. Okay. All okay. right. Now, I might do something more positive next. <laughs> yeah, go let's, let's do Black Flag. You yep, found that okay. one? So Assassin's oh, Creed oh, wow. 4. That means there's something in between that's not positive. Anyways, okay. it's great. Assassin's Creed 4. Assassin's Creed, so Creed 4, Black Flag. So and the last numbered Assassin's Creed, right? Correct. So chuck this uh, in A tier. A tier. First A tier. That was entry. a good one. Yeah. <laughs> this was the most ambitious uh, Assassin's Creed game at that point. Um, obviously, 
completely set on the open seas, the Caribbean. They introduced so much stuff. There's like 50 locations and there's 75 smaller locations and just heaps of stuff. I could talk about this game for ages, but I, I know we're, we're trying to get through this. The This game is... I used to say this was the best entry point for the series, and it might still be. Um, mm. It's... Is there it an is, HD remaster? It's a, there's an there's an Xbox One PS4 version of this, yeah. Okay. So it lo- cool. it actually lo- like they re-released it for that. Um, this is this is a fantastic game, um, and it's almost this is where the the series stopped being about assassins. Really, like it's a pirate game, and if you like pirates, you'll love Black Flag. Arr. All right. So let's. It uh, was really cool, and the setting was really awesome, especially compared to the previous ones. If- all right. So I'm going to mix things up. I'm going to talk about Assassin's Creed Chronicles. Yeah, I got it. Yep. So Dang Assassin's it. Creed Chronicles China. Can you chuck that in the B tier? Huh. So this was... So there's three games in the Chronicles wait, wait, series. So there's Assassin's... Oh, there's only one. So it's like Assassin's Creed Chronicles China. There's no... Oh, there's India and Russia. Right? Yeah, so... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah I got it. I got yeah. it. Got so it, the it. Chronicles trilogy... B tier, did you say? B tier? B tier. Yeah, so okay. this was the first in the series. Um, anyone that loves games like Mark of the Ninja or 2D, you know, old school per, uh, Prince of Persia games. It's kind of a mix between them two. And I love Mark of the Ninja. So I thought this was a fantastic game. It's got a cool visual style. Um, it's got a really cool protagonist that people hope one day they'll make a full game out of it set in China. Mm. Um, and it's really fun to sp- speed run. So yeah, that's uh, Creed China. The next uh, Creed Chronicles, can you chuck it right behind? And that's India. Uh, yep. Yeah, so this has fantastic visuals, probably the coolest art style in any Assassin's Creed game, um, and some really, really neat ideas and cool levels. They built upon what they did in the first one, although they kind of created these, developed all three at the same time, I think. Um, but yeah, it was a neat progression. And that leads me to the third uh, Assassin's Creed Chronicles game, which is yep. Russia, and chuck that behind, uh, chuck that in between. Actually, <laughs> just chuck it after Assassin's Creed 3. Assassin's Creed 3 in the C tier oh in the C tier but the other two were in the B tier correct okay so Russia is the from my understanding is the most modern Assassin's Creed game in terms of its anime storyline and Um, you've also you've rated this so far as we go the worst Assassin's Creed game the no it's it's, sorry uh, sorry it's I meant before it's it's in between Revelations and Assassin's Creed. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry. So Assassin's sorry. Creed Three is the worst. Yeah, yeah. that's my bad. So sorry. Right. Uh, oh, I should have communicated. That. Um, it introduced some cool stuff, but it's also just really, really frustrating. There's so much trial and error in it. Um, it's a really cool take on you know, on, I guess Russian history mixing with assassins and stuff. Um, but ultimately, other Chronicles games are just way better. So yeah, cool. All right. So what games are? You know, six what? more games to go. Let's do Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Yep, I got it. So let me just find my uh, part for that. So Syndicate goes at the uh, goes ahead of China on the B tier. Goes ahead of China on the B tier. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people love Assassin's Creed Syndicate. It kind of after Unity, which a lot of people did not like, it was felt like a palate cleanser, which I understand. Um, but it was very much this is the Assassin's Creed formula taken up to the extreme like the amount of icons on the map it was just getting crazy and it's no surprise that they took a break after this because this was the last game before origins came out and they completely turned the series on its head uh Mm. so syndicate 
first game with dual protagonists um the train hub is really cool if unrealistic the fact that you've got a train that's going around uh, the whole map all the time that's your hub um and london itself was just gorgeous like climbing up big ben and westminster and it was great they had a carriage transport just some really cool stuff um really cool stylish combat but yeah goes in beat tier. Because which one's the French one? Which one's set in... Let's cover that now. Let's cover Assassin's Creed <laughs> Unity. 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 Unity goes just after Black Flag in the A tier. Okay, so you got Black nice. Flag and then Unity. Yeah, so a lot of people think this is a low point of the series. And I guess from a criti- from general consensus standpoint, this is the game that was super buggy at launch, got so much bad mm. press... They, they launched this at the same on the same day that they launched Rogue. So Rogue was the the last gen game, as Unity was the the current wow, gen game. That's a, that's that was really weird how they did that. Yeah, yeah. That's so crazy. And they linked together a little bit in the in storyline and stuff. But Unity, this this game has the best controls and parkour in the entire series. Ooh, okay, it's also probably the best looking game in the entire series. This is it, the one where the um. The oh geez, I can't believe I'm blanking on what it is in Paris. You know that Notre got, Dame. Yeah, Notre Dame. Exactly. Uh, got burnt down, and they actually mapped it all. They did. And it took two they, years for the artist to do it, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. but the thing is, they're using that crazy. data to help yeah. rebuild it, which it's is just crazy. unreal. So cool. The attention to detail and unity in the Paris that they created is just phenomenal. It's and I played this game well after launch, so I'm very um, like I had such a skewed take on it. Anyone that played I, it at launch and was buggy, I, I feel for them because this game is, well, I think otherwise, mm. it's just brilliant. Cause, I cause actually we also... went to Notre Dame after playing the game and it was really cool to see it and go, oh, I remember that from the game. Oh my God, the <laughs> detail there, that's so cool. But they, they well, added... We should, just, we should just call out that, you know, Ubisoft is a French company ultimately. So, and the French are very proud people. So I think they probably put in even more effort to make things accurate, mm. you know? Like this, this game... It was like a, they kind of retooled everything. It was almost like Assassin's Creed 3 in a way, like the parkour and, and everything changed. They added free running down, which doesn't sound like a big thing, but when you're playing it is, so it allows you to automatically get down from buildings in a smooth way. It just feels great. Um, I A lot of people, like reading the you know the forums and the reddits, like people want another Assassin's Creed game like Unity. Okay. They, they, they kind of, because of how smooth it was. Um, it added co-op. That was some pretty cool. They added some really cool alternative timeline stuff where you're in Paris in Second World War and stuff. Just really, really neat. They, um, yeah, it's just I, I love Unity so much, and it's a shame I should have, that has. I should a bad have clarified run. at the start, but are these all of the kind of like console Assassin's Creed games? Yeah. So the only game, yeah. So this is every console one. The games I'm not including uh, any of the mobile um, handheld yeah, yeah, titles yeah, yeah, yeah. and things like that. So this is every, yeah, this is every console main. Because I'm like, wow, okay, there's 16 games and it's like 14 years the series has been around. Yeah. Oh, uh, they definitely like when you talk about the Chronicles games that bumps the numbers up. But I wanted to talk about them because yeah. I th- feel that they're very good games. So yep, definitely. All right. All right. Which one do you want to do next? Let's We've do got four Rogue. more games to go. Let's do Rogue. <laughs> Rogue. Rogue. What's, what's the setting for Rogue? Rogue is the first game where you uh, play as a Templar, and you you spoiler play, alert. You, no, but it's that's it. You are actually playing as the enemy in this game, and they oh, don't okay. uh, and they don't change it. <laughs> so it's really really cool to to get a different perspective. But this this slot this in after Assassin's Creed Chronicles China in the B tier, right in the middle of the B tier. Yeah. So between the two. Do you mean between the two Chronicles games or after Syndicate? 
Um, well, I've got so to me it went Syndicate, China, Rogue, Assassin's Creed Two, India. Oh, huh? <laughs> I've got Assassin's Creed Two, Syndicate, China, and then India. Well, Assassin's Creed Two chucked that um, just before India. That's where that goes. Okay, so it should read Syndicate, Syndicate China, Assassin's Creed Two, and then India. Yeah, at the moment, yeah, and Rogue. Yeah. Slots in between number two and China. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I get you. And that, yeah, I'll just say that finishes out B tier. Like, there's no more going B tier. Um, Rogue is, yeah, released on the same day as Unity. Took the framework of Black Flag. It's basically Black Flag 2.5, but adds a lot of cool stuff to it. So it's essentially the same style of game. You're, it's naval battles out in the sea, but they, it's essentially, yeah, they, they mix a lot more land-based stuff in with that. Um, and as I said, the storyline's pretty cool. It has also New York in it, so I brought that back. That was in also in Assassin's Creed 3, but it's much more expanded. And just cool stuff like you're playing as a Templar, so there's missions where you have to intercept an assassin from killing its target by killing the assassin. So it's it's just mm. really, really neat. All right, what have we got left? So I think... Well, well, do you want me to do a quick run-through? There's three games remaining. We're going to cool. do Valhalla last. Uh, so, so far you've got in the S tier Odyssey and then Brotherhood Yep. in the A tier Black Flag Unity in the B tier Syndicate Chronicles China, Rogue, Assassin's Creed 2 and Chronicles India. And then in the C tier, you've got Assassin's Creed, Revelations, Chronicles Russia, and then Assassin's Creed 3. Is that right? Yep. That's correct. Beautiful. All right. So we've well, got, well, what have we got left? We've got Liberations, Liberation, sorry, Origins and Valhalla. Well, it's no surprise one of these three is going to be in trash to you. And Whoa. it's no surprise which one it's <laughs> oh, going to be. Do you want to just do that now? Yeah, let's do it. So Assassin's Creed 3 Liberation, chuck that in the trash to you. Interesting. Whoa. So this game, a lot of Shots people love this game, but there's a specific reason why I hate this game. A lot of people love this game. game and you're putting it in the trash to you. <laughs> a lot, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely Don't be a mic, game. dude. So yeah, they're gonna go that guy everyone. at the bottom who doesn't have a face. <laughs> He's arrogant, smug. He doesn't know anything about Assassin's Creed. So this game was originally a Vita game, right? So it is very impressive for a Vita oh, game. Yeah, I saw all the Vita box art for this game. I was like, yeah. huh? I thought it you were is, doing console games. It's super impressive, but and they re-released it as a HD version for consoles. So, um, yeah, so and the reason I also wanted to include it because it, it is actually part of the it is actually considered a mainline game is that I wanted a game to put at the bottom. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. This nice. this game's the reason. first time they had a female protagonist to the Aveline. She's actually not a bad protagonist. It's set in New Orleans in the Bayo Bayo, however you say that. Um, and it's look, it's it's got some neat stuff to it, but it's also super frustrating. Like the game But hang on, I are you sure you're not rating this low because it's a female protagonist and you're a misogynist <laughs> sexist? Animal. Gamer, don't don't even open that line of discussion, mate. That's got nothing to do with it. Cassandra is my favorite Assassin's Creed character ever. I know exactly. I'm well um, aware of that. <laughs> but just they added, look, they added a costume system which is not bad. It's kind, of, but it just seems to com- complicate things. But the, the reason I hate this game so much is I talked about that 100 percent synchronization challenges. So yeah, hey, yeah. do the main mission doing this, doing it this way. The way they implemented this game is just so frustrating. It made the whole experience for me just just absolutely horrible. Like I I have to replay this game as part of my New Year's resolution. By the way, you don't have to. You're choosing to. No, as part of my yeah. resolution. Like sure. it's important to say the second part there. As part of my resolution, you're I have a bit to of play a this. Yeah, I'm dreading playing through and doing those synchronization challenges again because they're just so frustrating. Like a lot of the challenges are complete this sequence where you got ten friggin' people fighting you and you can't get hit once. 
And you're like, oh, oh my god. Like it's frustrating. It's the game itself is not horrible, but when you combine that part with the fact that it's also based on Assassin's Creed 3 engine, which is my second least favorite game, it's <laughs> I'm not a fan of Liberation. So that leads us to the last two. So, all right. Origins. Origins. Can you slot in Origins after Unity in Atia? So it's Black Flag, Unity, and then Origins? Correct. So Origins, as we've mentioned before, this is where everything changed. Like, rather than the other ones where it's kind of, yeah, they're reworking the whole system, they changed, They entirely changed <laughs> Assassin's Creed. Like, they made it an RPG with a Dark Souls battle uh, combat system. And I'm not just saying, oh, it's kind of like Dark Souls. It's exactly like Dark Souls. You lock on, there's stamina management, there's light and heavy attack to right bumper and right bumper uh, and right trigger. Like it is Dark Souls combat. Um, it's also the first game in an entirely new saga, um, the Layla saga. And it's set before everything. Like this is the earliest game. Um, it's set before any Assassins or Templars. And it's just got it's got a fantastic protagonist, Bayek. The story, he's got such a tragic story and what happens with him and IR, who's very important to the legacy of the Assassins, is it's it's a really cool storyline. It's very long. Um, because it's set in Egypt, there's also not a huge amount of variety in the areas you explore because it's an open... This is also the first open world game. Mm. Now, we talk about Assassin's Creed 3 being in cities and stuff like that. This was proper open world. And at the time... And they started talking about that and having skill trees and loot. I was not sold. And it took me a while to actually start playing this game because I'm just like, are they doing a Tomb Raider? Are they taking it away from stuff I like? Um, but no, it turned around, convinced me that it was a really cool approach for, for the modern series. And yeah, they just added so many cool things to it. Um, so it's definitely great. And it's a great place to enter the series, I'd say. Nice, nice. So that leaves Valhalla. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I know where it's going to go, I reckon. But where, where do you reckon, Mike? B. Nah, I reckon it's going to be after Origins. No, wait, wait, he ran out of Bs, so it'd have to be A, yeah. All right, yeah, let's, 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 let's uh, slot it in after Origins. Ah, so I got right. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> Stole um... your thunder, because you've only done a whole segment of this. <laughs> And I moved back and forth. Like, there's part of me that actually would put it ahead of Origins. But I'm surprised you didn't change your mind and just said stuff. I'm just no, no, I'm not going to do that. The, and I'm oh, not going to spend too long talking about it. But I'll say the reason for the placement is I actually really like Valhalla. Um, a lot of my negative stuff about it was because it's just kind of the thing that stuck out most to me after that was to just talk about. You know, I've, it's obvious I like these games. I think that's obvious, right? <laughs> obvious. I like that. It's obvious I like these games. Yeah, so, just ranked me just saying, oh, Valhalla... Me just saying, Valhalla is great. You should play Valhalla. Like, I, so I want to talk about a bit more detail about the you know, things I may not have liked, but then some of the stuff I like. The reason why I... Valhalla, I probably had more fun playing it, right? So there's part of me that's like, oh, maybe you should go ahead of Origins. But those things that I talked about... The fact that the combat is a step down, the fact that mm. the gear system is almost useless to me, and the whole tone is just feels off. That's why it sits behind. That yeah. stuff does Fair impact enough. enough. So you've got to give Origins more credit as well if it's one of the ones that innovated the series a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And Origins won me over. Like that had a task to win me over, whereas Valhalla, like Odyssey, <laughs> it got me at that point. 
Well, and that's the other thing towards Valhalla is it was falling on the heels of my favorite game in the series. So that had a big task to live up to as well. But yeah, overall, honestly, I don't think this is going to be very different than many other Assassin's Creed super fan stuff. I think a lot of people really appreciate Unity that are super into Assassin's Creed games. I think a lot of people appreciate Assassin's Creed 2 a lot more than me. It's just because I just prefer the other games in the series more. Um, Some people may take a lot of issues with me putting Assassin's Creed Chronicles China above it, but I just, yeah, I think that Chronicles China deserves some recognition. Yeah, man, but you do you. If someone wants a different list, go start a podcast and make a different (laughs) list. (laughs) But but this is is based on playing these games 200% completion as well, so I think I come from a position of authority on it. (laughs) I can't wait till they have another Assassin's Creed game this year or next year to see where it's going to rank. We'll have to keep this list updated well, as long as the podcast is live. There's also the DLC for Valhalla, so who knows? So. What one, one question I have about all of these is: How do you feel that in how long has it been now? Four, 14, fourteen years. years yeah, fourteen years. There hasn't been a single one set in Japan. Surely that's a fan. There is favorite location. There is. Goose of, Goose of Tsushima. Yeah, well, yeah, Goose of Tsushima, which is basically Assassin's Creed set in Japan. But yeah, well, how do you feel about that? Do you, is it something you want? As a Jap- Japanophile. I'm, yeah, as a Japanophile. Hey, if, if, if you talk to 19 year old Swinney, it's back in uni, maybe. But, um, uh, as an ex as, as a As a long reformed weeb. Um, no, you are a weeb. You're still a weeb. Ah, you are. Once a weeb, always a weeb. The. It's kind of low hanging fruit for them, you know. Like the f- yeah, but so what? Everyone yeah, they would hate love that. It. <laughs> it's a series that's got like sixteen games in fourteen years. No, but they always like the settings they choose are generally actually like think about the first Assassin's Creed. What other game was set in in that the middle? Like sorry, in the yeah, like Mass I, I don't even know where it is. Oh, no, I'm trying to think the right word because fan? no, because I'm trying to think. <laughs> I'm deleting this tier list. No, because I'm trying to think of the right name because it changed names that area so much. Um, but like Constantinople. Well, yeah, Constantinople to set to set a whole game yeah. in Constantinople. Like, what game yeah, does yeah, that? Absolutely. You know? Don't get me wrong, but look, <laughs> don't get me surely Christmas. everyone wants one in Japan, and I think I think Ghosts of Goose of Tsushima clearly illustrates that people love that setting. And it's so obvious a game set, an Assassin's Creed game set in Japan would, would have been fantastic. Well, the big, the big rumor at the word... moment is that the next one will be set in France. Oh, really? In France, again. Yeah, yeah okay. but in a different time period. So, What other time period? I'm just trying to think what other so, interesting time periods So, I mean, the, Unity was around Napoleon and stuff like that, so it would be much earlier in French history. But also, one of the DLCs for... Okay. One of the DLCs for Valhalla is set in France, and the other one is set in Ireland. So, okay. it's possible they might link it into France there. That so, that's the rumor. Like, well, kind that's of, but rumor. I don't know. I, Japan, it's so obvious. Yeah, but it's they been done do it. so much, though, now. you know, no, it ha- Not in Assassin's Creed, it hasn't, though. Not in Assassin's Creed, <laughs> but you've got so many games set in Japan that like I understand why. Like what? Oh, just yeah, Sekiro, Nero, uh, Neo, sorry. Yeah, you know, but like those games those a lot of games came out Japan. very, Persona, very... Yeah, like but hang on, hang on, hang on. Those games that you just mentioned, like Sekiro and... Tenchu, Tenchu. Tenchu games, you know, Persona, like, like there's a billion games set in Japan, dude. Like, yeah, I know that. But some industry. of those ones were quite recent. Tenchu, Tenchu, Tenchu. No, no, I know Tenchu's really old. I know that I played it on PlayStation. But, but what I'm saying is, whilst the series was still, you know, growing, 
somewhere in between there, they surely would have gone, we should do one in Japan. Those talks would have existed. Of I just don't get why to this day. It's just so obvious and everyone wanted one. Because like even to this day, I reckon people really, really would love to have one there. Because I think the games are great. I think it's more likely that we'll get one set in China before Japan. Which is, you I think, one, right? would still be really, really interesting. Yeah, but I think you a kind of fully one, fledged it's a different one. kind of game. Yeah, yeah. It would be cool if there was one that was China and Japan, because you know there's yeah. a lot of wars between these countries. So, but yeah, Maybe that's that's, what that's my for, that's my tier list. So, uh, right, well, very nice. good, Swinny. Apologies to good. anyone that doesn't like Assassin's Creed and listen to it. I gave you a warning. <laughs> Yeah, well, you guys yeah, can you can write in games. and we will frame your feedback and I will put it on my wall of shame. <laughs> I want to see a picture. You got to take a picture of that after the podcast. All right, let's wrap it up. Um, so thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to help us out, give us a five-star rating on your podcast service of choice. And probably the best thing for us is to tell a mate about the podcast and share the word. With that, bye-bye. See ya. Adios.